0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review. The Game of Thrones, Season 1, Episode 8, The Pointy End. Oh, gosh. This was a freaking awesome episode. It was so good to watch this. And this originally aired on June 5th, 2011. And also, it's worth mentioning that this is the very first episode of Game of Thrones... For George R.R. R. Martin to have written the episode, and it sure fucking shows because it just understands so many elements of the characters. Such a great episode, everybody. Hi, I'm Phil the Issues Guy. Good to talk to you guys tonight. See you guys already in the chat talking away about this episode, getting hyped to talk about some Game of Thrones Season 1 to hop back in that time machine and go back to June 5th and listen to Adele's Rolling in the Deep or some crap like that that was going on in 2011. Joe Dirty Locks and Katie Crow will be with us tonight. That's why we're a little late starting. I was trying to stall for as much time as possible so there's as little time without Joe as 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 they could possibly do. He went to an appointment. The appointment was supposed to be at 5 o'clock. It was a doctor's appointment. The doctor was supposed to see him at 5. It's now as of... 6.41 6.41 an hour and a half late hour and 40 minutes later and he has not been seen so he is pissed off he's ready to go crazy he's gonna call in the hound to go do some business to that doctor so he'll be with us as soon as possible i got i got the phone ready to go and whenever joe pops in but i didn't want to wait i had to talk about this episode i've watched this a bunch getting ready to talk about it and it's really exciting to get back to talking about game of thrones oh wow we got a. Uh, And we've been watching some real crap here at the station lately with uh, shows that have been premiered here in the future. Bastard Executioner and Fear the Walking Dead have not been great. But those those shows won't be mentioned too much here tonight. (sighs) Wow. I really hope... From what happened in this episode I really hope Ned ends up okay And I really hope Rob can put together uh, All these forces And go up and save Ned Because he's in real trouble And that little finger guy That I was trusting up until last week Maybe it's a different agenda I think he's working for Ned's best interest We'll see But yes, we have everybody in the chat Lots of love to you guys Oh my god, it's great to see all of you in the chat And to answer a couple of your questions before And I'm going to do my one. Warm- Warning now. Yes, we are talking about Game of Thrones Season 1 in 2015. So, okay, here's a warning. If you've never watched Game of Thrones before and you're watching this before you're watching the episode and or before you've watched future events, if this is your first watch of Game of Thrones... We're going to try to be good about spoilers to the future but I can't make any promises. It's one of those things. It's once you've opened the box it's kind of hard to try. We're going to really try. We're going to go out of our out of our way to 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 act like we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But it may slip up. So if you're really, really sensitive about those things, don't read the chat and don't watch this video. Turn off this video now. Come back later. Co- go watch all of Game of Thrones and come back and watch this and watch me try to pretend to not, <laughs> not fuck up on spoilers. So that's just our warning to you to in- answer a question someone had in the chat yeah we're we try to try to hold back spoilers for the future but you can heavily hint and if you slip up this is gonna be i'm going to ban you motherfucker D- how dare you say that how dare you tell me little finger is gonna be a bad guy i don't want to hear that and as someone also mentioned it's kind of fun to examine that from at a standpoint kind of step out of time sometimes we do the zach morris freeze for a second and we'll step out of the time and talk about it from a perspective of right now so again if you're really really sensitive about spoilers and you have not watched all of game of thrones yet this is your warning it's a big fucking warning get, get the, the fuck, fuck out <laughs> there it is <laughs> uh critch says one can only hope phil but i think little finger might be a bit sketchy but at least sansa's safe yeah sansa looks like she's in a good situation the queen looks like she's really going to take care of him and it- her and Joffrey seems like he really gives a shit. So, I'm glad she's in a protective situation. Uh she's probably a lot better off than Arya. <laughs> Excuse me, did I say that right? I might so correct. It's not Arya, it's Arya. Uh, so, but I, I'm like I mispronounce the sometimes. I'm like the the do do whatever. So, miss forgive my mispronunciations as I go. At least I don't call Peter P tire. I'm going to call him Peter Baelish. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to talk to you guys I am, as you could probably already tell, before we get into the recap I'm going to stall for a little extra time, maybe a few more shenanigans So we can give Joe as much time as possible to get here before we uh, dig deep But this is, Joe, Joe and the Crow will fly into here when they do So let's get into talking about this episode piece by piece, especially the beginning, because the beginning of this episode, there's a lot of speculation about what we're about to get into. And and right away, this episode has so many iconic moments of Game of Thrones. It's so great to get back here and see when this, everything's just so tight. It's ra- rapidly wound around the source material, and it's just so great. And that, that's not to say that everything needs to be completely to the source. There's a lot of changes in this episode from book to show, and I think both work in their own universes. I just think the show is at just such a high quality in this first season. It's shocking. Going back and watching it, it I'm just like, oh, what the hell? It it floors me how entertaining and, and marvelous the performances are and how marvelous each one of the st- all the stories are. Oh, we have a telephone call. Do we have a call? Is that happening right now? Did we just... Is someone calling me? Can I? uh, Sorry, everybody, for the pause. I'm trying to find where the phone call is coming from. Mm. It sounded like someone was trying to call me. If someone was trying to call, me... oh, here it is. Un- unknown caller. Welcome to the show, caller. How are you? If you uh, if you're trying to call, please call back because I'm failing at life right now and had the volume turned down and couldn't figure out what where I was to take your fucking call. I'm a mess. My little crow and my co-host friend aren't with me. It's a freaking mess. I don't know what I'm doing. I got cats all around me, dogs to the left of me. Here I am stuck in the middle. <laughs> but guys, if you want to join the fun, you can call in at 781-990-8509. That's 781 781- nine nine zero eight five zero nine you can also send me an email at igotissuesman at gmail.com hop in the chat share your thoughts of this episode and uh what's going on send your love out to joe so he can read it later dealing with a horrible situation right now that he's pissed off about ready to freak out and start and start doing knives to the uh metaphoric knives to the backs of people's heads (laughs) so we'll uh we send joe out our love uh Critch says, I agree these episodes are mint. Every everyone after is a jewel. Absol absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that's the most annoying thing from the uh the Sam says, yeah, the, the P tire. He also calls uh the audiobooks, he calls C- Catlin Caitlin a bunch of times and Joffrey Jeffrey. I'm pretty sure he does that several times in the audiobooks. But some of the pronunciations in the audiobooks are ridiculous. It is. It's cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria, everybody! People are hard on Ghostbusters, too. I kind of like the movie. So the episode opens up with Serial Farrell and Arya training. And it's cut with the aftermath of what we saw at the end of last episode, with everyone turning on Ned. And the last of the Stark soldiers are being massacred as we hear, Yeah, left, right, left, right, high, low, all that, all that fun stuff. And, uh... Oh, whoops, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Oh, no, don't do that. A snake said you would threaten a child. <laughs> so the episode opens up and its training gets cut with a high-low. We see this, the last of the Stark guys getting killed. We see uh, Ned Stewart, Valen Poole get killed. A quick shot of that. And uh, and then we get to see Sansa and Scepter Mordane walking down the hall. And it's an interesting exchange between the two of them. Your sister knew perfectly well we were supposed to leave today. They're bitching about Arya and how could she forget and Sansa says she didn't forget she's with her dancing master she's with him every morning she always comes back with scrapes and bruises I think this is interesting because I don't you know we're not going to dwell too much on book stuff but it's kind of interesting when it when there's certain associations where we're inside both girls heads in the book and with Arya there's a moment where she at certain points in times where she wonders if everyone believes she's in just in dancing lessons and this shows that Sansa is dumb and self-absorbed enough to not give a shit that she Oh, she comes home with bruises she's so clumsy i mean come on yeah she's 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 learning how to dance you really you 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 would think she would know her sister better than this but it's very too, true to character of sansa and early on i just i love both of these girls performances of these two sisters and in a lot of ways leading up to this point, this episode is theirs. There's a lot of stuff that goes on but it's really, it's bookended with, uh, with Sansa's thing and it's really starting to get into her head and as someone said earlier I think she's in an okay position here I think the Queen has some sort of affinity for her and isn't going to let anything bad happen to her. And I think Joffrey really seems to care. And, I mean, we don't get a real big glimpse of what kind of person Joffrey's going to be. I thought it was a little weird how he yelled at Barristan, we'll get to that. But it seems like he's a reasonable individual, I mean, maybe a little green to be king. But I think Sansa might be in a pretty good position. And if, since she played the game, I hope Ned is in a good position. And, I mean, they, they, we can't listen to things like what Rickon was saying to Bran. Being like, hey, my God, hey my God they're all going to die. They're not all going to die. That's just not going to happen. That's just, it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. There are heroes. The stories about the goddamn Starks. I, everyone's safe. not today not today so so anyway so uh so scepter mordain sees kind of like a rapey mob coming towards her the best kind of mobs the rapey mobs and they're blah 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 blah, blah. and she sends her away and she goes go to your room lock your door do as i told you run that way as scepter mordain sort of just it gets engulfed by the so she ends up having the bastard son of a hundred of a thousand maniacs over a hundred maniacs and it's a pretty scary moment where you realize what she's doing and everything that we've seen from her so far and how hard she is on the girls. and how. But she's very protective and, and definitely has a real strong affinity for Sansa and puts herself heavily on the line here and... And protects her. And I think that's I think that's really important. It's and it's worth mentioning that as much as it's easy to shit on her and she's a little bit of a, uh, a because of the way she acts towards Arya, and not understanding that kind of person. She really feeds in and understands Sansa, and seems to really care about her and she protects her. And it's 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 sweet. It's sweet. So, uh, Critcher, Sansa is clueless at this time, true to her center of her universe perspective. Kaelina says, Really did Ned hide his allowance of his daughter learning swordplay?" Yeah, I believe he did. I believe he told most people that she was getting the dancing instructions. I don't believe he wanted to spread around that his child was doing sword play, but I don't know. I know he asked a bunch of different people. He had a couple of different offers of different people to train her, and he decided on Serial Pharrell, but I, I believe he told probably told his family. Wouldn't want to get back to Catelyn. It, it seems like at least Sansa thinks that she is uh, is actually just going to dancing lessons. Sam says, "Hopefully Sansa can save him with a relationship with Joffrey." That that's what I'm really hoping for. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. Oh, do we have a uh, do, do we have a voicemail? Let me see. Is there a voicemail here? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, you know, we just had two uh, un. Two calls from unknown. Unknown caller, if you want to try back, I'm sorry. If, if something's wrong with the phone lines, uh, please try to call back. Would love a phone call from you if you're trying to get through. Even if it's just to tell me, shut up, you're an asshole. I, I, don't, I don't mind that. It, I'd, I'd rather be thought of, you know, when it really comes down to it. <laughs> Hate away. Give me, the love. Give me the love. Give me the love. Fuck you, Phil. Go hug yourself. <laughs> so we go back to Aria and Serio, and here we go. Left, right, left, right, now you're dead. And Arya gets all into this. You said right, but you went left. And now you're a dead girl, only because you lied. My tongue lied. My eyes were shouted the truth. You were not seeing. I was so. I watched. You watched. Watching is not seeing, dead girl. The seeing, the true seeing, is in the heart of swordplay. And I really love this interaction between her and Serio. For many reasons, I love all their interactions in the show and in the books, but in the books she he's a lot harder on her than he is up until this point on the show. right here, you get to see him really start to lay into her, starting to curve her training into something more serious, teaching her the uh, white man can jump. you can hear Jimmy, but you can't listen to. It. you can listen to Jimmy but you can't hear Jimmy, but trying to get him to really get her to really understand the concept of looking at the whole picture and realizing you have to find your moments and working her up the training ladder, breaking her down a little bit in a way that let's say what we want about Arya, I love her, but she is all the Starks to a certain extent need to be humbled to a point. And serio really does a good job of it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say it without sounding. So I'm going to just going to say it. Mr. Miyagi. Uh, splintering you know like really hammering down Yodaing her and really getting to the core and i think i hope it, it's a shame that they're theoretically their relationship has to end coming up here in a moment uh i, I get double post uh, i feel bad bye cereal today is a good day to die uh if you're seeing yourself on double posts i know that's a uh that's a glitch sometimes in the excellent uh, YouTube. In case anyone's listening, the excellent YouTube chat system that never messes up ever. So uh, sometimes you see it, but I don't see you getting double posts. Or uh, I'm <laughs> watching ahead, so it's gonna rewind. Yeah, don't watch too far ahead to see what happens to our famous characters here. So, th- anyways, this was more book serial. He's harsherner. and also at this point in time. There's no, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, there's no cat story. The scene's broken up because of time. Th- certain things were probably filmed, but unfortunately, I love him so much. I wish we got more of him. I wish he was even more episodes and in more parts leading up to this. So enter the Lannister soldiers with Marin fucking Trent, and they want Arya. They want to take her. They go, uh, come with me. Your father wants to see you. And he's like... Are you men or snakes that you would threaten a child? Yeah, are you? You are the daughter of a traitor. No. <laughs> oh, okay. I think we just got our text message. Oh, Joe just finished at the uh, the doctor's. He will be here soon. So uh, that's a little update on Joe. And- so he will, he will be here to, uh, to gush all over this wonderfulness. And we'll go back and talk a little bit more serial for later. Cause I know Joe's going to want to talk about this. So enter the Lannister soldiers, Marin fucking Trent, uh, Arya is like, they like Arya Stark come with us. Your father wants to see you. And serial says what we just heard. They say, mind your place, dancing master. That was so much condescension. It's, It's like heaps and heaps and friggin' mountains and valleys and canyons of condescension here. This is no concern of yours. My father would send you and I don't have to—and she says, my father wouldn't send you. I don't have to go with you if I don't want to. And this leads right into the point that Serial was just hammering into her look around, understand the whole situation. He immediately knows that these type of guards, that Lannister soldiers, would not come for her. They would, He would never send Lannister soldiers to get Arya. And she's kind of picking up on that here and understanding it. I mean, he, he makes it pretty obvious for her, but she's also a child and starting to just come to understanding the situation. And the way she just come, I just love when Arya gets all... Strong, stands up and starts standing up for herself. And watching her climb from where we've already seen her to where she theoretically may go is such an amazing ride. We've talked about this before, but for hiring any kid actors that they've had to do, especially her, she just she is Arya Stark, and seeing her grow in, in this character, she's there's no one on Earth that I'm convinced that could play this character as well as her. And it starts right from the beginning here. Really great job and really well played by her Cerio Pharrell and and the Lannister soldiers in this moment in the way that they have absolutely no respect for this guy. Looking we're in armor with our swords and shit and you're sitting there with the link wooden sword from the beginning of Legend of Zelda. Be careful, don't go alone, don't go alone without this. And it's the that the old man gives him in the cave. He is this freaking wooden sword and they're just like oh, fuck it. Who, who the fuck does this little dude think he is fucking crazy uh, Sam says there was a bit of cat but yeah I agree from what I listened to Arya's training actually sounds pretty cool in the book yeah it, it's it's very he's very hard on her in the book and in a good way and she loves it but he's in the few scenes that we see him with her leading up to this moment he's He's playing games with her to a certain extent and having fun with her. We get a little bit that more developed leading into this point where we just kind of skip away from him. We're coming back to it and seeing as his training starting to become more serious. So she says, I don't have to go with you, which is really fun. If you stop and think about the future of both these characters, their interactions right here. Yeah, we're getting ready. Oh, yeah, we're getting ready for Arya's first kill. Nothing better than stabby Aria. Maisie is so much the heart of this. her character. She understands every element, and she takes some different takes of where maybe in my imagination, the first time I listened or read certain passages, I imagined it. But everything is so... I sound like such an acting geek. Everything is so justified, and it makes me believe it and feel it, and... And that's because, again, in her heart, she is Arya Stark. So all these decisions are just made really from from Arya, and you can understand and feel them. I, I, I'm i speaking for Joe, and I know he's going to say this as well when he gets here, because I know it's for him. His favorite part of the show is her arc from beginning to end. It's one of mine. I'm really, really... It's really awesome, her in this first season. And she's one of the things that just... It, I threaten, and I say it a lot. I say this term a lot, steals the show. I just made a video recently where I really I'm like I said steals the show like 5000 times. But Maisie but Maisie Williams with everything that's going on, every aria scene really steals the show for me and and it's just so much fun. So much fun. Yep, the te- the teacher the things about her surroundings. So Are you men snakes that you would threaten a child? Get in my way, little man. I'm Cereal Pharrell, you foreign bastards, says one of the guys. And that guy just gets his ass fucking kicked. Like, ridiculously destroyed with a wooden sword and Cereal. And and again, again, I'm only making references for referential purposes and stuff that I've actually read when researching this episode from things George R. R. Martin said. They had a change around some of the stuff in the books where he's, like, breaking people's noses and Fucking people up like a lot because the Lannister soldiers in their costumes wore helmets. So he said that was one of his first tastes of dealing with a television show and having to change things because of that. And uh, he said no major butterflies because of that, as later things George R. R. Martin would talk about butterfly effects, and if you make some change, it changes different things down the line. So Cyril Farrell, like, fucks this guy up. I mean, like, really bad. And and Trent starts to almost take him seriously for a second and smiles and goes, Kill the bravosi, bring me the girl. So, uh, so this is when Cyril gets serious and he goes, Aria, run, child, we're done with dancing for the day, run to your father. As he just goes into kick ass mode and takes down like several men, a bunch, and all the soldiers except for Trent. And uh, Aria's sitting there watching. Again, realizing how easy he's gone on her, how no matter what, how tough it, he's been on her in the fighting and how throwing stuff back and forth, he is really. She's been really hard on. Uh, he's been he's been going so easy on her with what he could actually do. It's really fun. It's re- and I love that. Uh, <laughs> weird. Sorry, something was going weird with my screen. Sorry to pause. I thought Joe was trying to pop in here for a second. Not yet, everybody. So, yeah, so this was really an awesome scene and I remember the first time I watched this, I just couldn't believe. It. I was like, "Oh, he's dead. He's so dead. The he, those soldiers are going to rip him apart." And I thought the scene was going to coin Kind of going to cut right as all the soldiers kind of pummel him, and he just kicks all their asses. You're like, whoa, that's fucking awesome! <laughs> Look at that, that's fu- kick fuck kicks some fucking Wow. So, so then Trant says bloody oaths as he draws his great sword, and uh, and Tr- and uh, Serio goes, "Be gone, Arya," and she says, "Come with me, run." He says the first sword of bravos does not run, and uh, Trent looks at him like I don't run either, motherfucker. And they fight, and he's putting up a good fight. You see that if if Cyril Pharrell had a sword, he would be able to stop him, and he would be able he would be winning this fight. But eventually, eventually, the wooden sword breaks, and. And he says, where is it? Yeah, I've got it. Oh, my God. What does one say to the God? <laughs> what does one say to the God of death? Not today, motherfucker. Not today. Oh, here it is. Sorry, folks. Here it is. What does one say? What do we say to the God of death? Not today. And, and then this is where it gets weird. This is where it gets weird. It cuts. We don't actually see him get struck down. Trent kind of comes in almost like a Dracula type angle where he just comes up to the a- the camera and just goes dun 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 and covers it up. And then the scene just c- kind of disappears and we cut to Arya as she's running through the black r- running out the back and uh, going not today, not today. So, okay, let's pause here. Is Serial Pharrell alive or dead? Why did they cut away? We can pause, sort of step out of time here a little bit. There hasn't really been anything in the future to answer this question one way or another. If we're to to believe what is in front of our faces, we're to think that he died there. Why not show it? Did they not show it to keep the mystery alive? Maybe. Then why quickly? Why so quickly cast away that theory? At times, oh, no, he's definitely dead. Or, but the actor kind of play, is a little tongue in cheek about the situation. Both actors are. They've traded barbs back and forth. Him and Marin Trent. All, we've all heard, or a lot of people have heard, most of the theories. He's a faceless man in disguise, and he took over Trent's face. That's one theory that I don't really buy. I don't think Cyril Pharrell would have ran. Maybe he could have done a parry move and gone the fuck out of there, but he doesn't run, and he made sure he made that point. Did he just wait for Arya to go away so she wouldn't see him run? Or did the show just decide not to show us that so they wouldn't give us that moment of our legendary-type character losing for a second and seeing a moment of him losing and getting struck down like that? It's hard to say because this show tends to... Like to cut away from things, but then they show certain things. It, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, if I had to put on my Miss Cleo hat and do my thinking, I would say I think he's dead. And this is one of those theories that people are holding on to more than has a lot of weight to it. I want to believe he's alive. But it's hard for me to accept that because I just don't understand the logistics of how he would have got out of that situation. I do th- want to say that he took down all these men. Is Trent that much better of a fighter than all of these men? I mean, he's probably all right, but is he really much better than all of them? The sword broke. It always pissed me off, and I know it's not his type of sword, that he disarmed all these enemies with the uh, wooden sword. And they all, I mean, I understand they had great swords. He's used to a bravosian blade, which is much smaller and lighter. So he'd probably be more flexible with the wooden sword. But it always pissed me off that he didn't disarm one of them and just pick up one of their swords. Whatever. (laughs) We only hear screams, but I'm a Klingon, honor-type person. Serial would know it might be his time, thus it's his honor. Today is a good day to die. Trent is the one that walked away, says Kaylana. Sam says, I still have faith that he's still alive. Even the hound, uh, Sam says about Trent being a good fighter, even if, the, even the hound made fun of Marin Trent as a horrible fighter he is. I mean, that's, again, one of the minor points that, that kind of get me a little bit. Why am I not hearing the phone ring when it rings? Because we're getting some calls. Again, I saw that you called caller. <laughs> but for some reason, I am not hearing the, the phone ring. I guess try one more time, <laughs> and I'll keep an eye out for it. Sam says, but I still think Syria is alive because... He can he can't lose to Maren fucking Trent. There is that, but there's also the other side of that coin to is that the world we live in here? Is the world the kind of world we live in, Westeros, that yeah, he can. And that's the sad part. When someone, when someone like Littlefinger, that seems like such a nice guy, can betray Ned Stark, <laughs> anything could happen. It's I mean, it is worth mentioning the fact that maybe it is what it is—that he was a man with a wooden sword, with absolutely no armor, nothing on him. I know bravosies usually don't fight with—you uh, usually don't fight with armor on for the to begin with. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of the uh, water dancing. They don't—they don't—they uh, don't fight with armor on. They try to stay as light as possible. Armor slows you down. But still, someone that's just not prepared. And I go to what the Hound says later on. Spoiler alert! And someone mentioned in the chat, the best sword of Bravos, and he doesn't have a sword. Excuse me. You would think that even with training Arya, someone like him would be the type of guy that would always carry his sword around him at some point, close by, within grabbing distance, like his real sword. So that kind of a uh, couple things bothered me from the standpoint only because it's like oh come on don't go in there don't don't do that where you just wish that he had been in a different situation wish that he had had a sword on him and seeing how that fight actually would have ended with uh serial like ready with sword in hand against Trent and all those men I don't think it would have been close I think he would have been able to take down all of them FireCloud, welcome. The Crow and Joe will be with us very soon. Uh, Joe is caught up late at a meeting and they're getting home relatively soon and doing and setting up and I will invite them in a bit. Great to see you. Great to see you. Yes, from a Dr. Phil appointment. (laughs) They went to go see Dr. Phil. You guys, you guys love I love love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So just to pull you guys in the chat, which we already kind of did. We we want to believe it, but who thi- show of hands or people. Who thinks that Serial Pharrell is alive? Who thinks he's, he's dead? If you're watching this at a later date, please share it in the comment section. I personally, if I had a bet on it, like I said, I would bet on dead. I I think this is just one of those things like... Pine Barrens in the Sopranos with the Russian guy. Spoiler alert for the Sopranos. Sorry if you haven't watched it. And if you have, you'll understand. Or something like at the end of Pale Moonlight where you're left with this uncomfortable feeling with the way Cisco's talking to the camera. This is just one of those things that they want to leave you with the uncomfortable feeling. Leave you with the thought of the what if. More than actually answering those questions. And that, that tends to be what I think. Keelan, i was i could not agree with you more that pissed me off so much and- it, p- people's response when I say that when I asked the thing about the sword if he was uh her question was was uh or comment was i kept you know being pissed off that he wouldn't pick up the sword every time I bring that up most people's response to me is oh uh don't worry about that it's uh it's because it's because he didn't uh he doesn't use that kind of sword and i get that i i mean i i understand where you're coming from by that but again if it's between life or death and seeing the situation you would think that out of desperation even it's better than carrying a wooden sword i mean i guess that's left i guess that's left to the imagination of uh the left to the imagination i guess that's left to the what if it's we're stuck in what if land with that It's not today. We're not going to get answers to that question today. Not today, folks. Not today. So there seems to be something wrong with uh, the box. So You don't have to see anything under me right now. For those of you that are watching, not uh, listening to the audio cast, that you can uh, find at issuesprogram.com if you want to find the feed. (laughs) Uh, There's nothing below me right now. There's something messed up with that, so I don't have that protection. So you get to see my my hands twiddling around. Critch says 90% dead, 5% escaped, 5% in the black cells. Uh, Sam says 51% alive. Firecloud says alive and dead. Serial is shooting her cat in the box existence. (laughs) Oh, I love the chat. Again, as always, the chat is keeping it fun and keeping it awesome. Oh, gosh. Unknown, unknown calls. I'm naked. My screen is naked below me. I don't have anything, don't have anything below. Okay, keeping an eye out for Mr. Joe, as he should be coming in rather soon. So we go off to Arya running through the dungeons with the sounds and the sights of stark death all around her. She says, not today, not today. So we cut over to Sansa, and Sansa's being scared as the hound comes in to grab her. And she says all scared, stay away from me, stay away from me. I'll tell my father. And the hound's just like, fuck you. I don't give a shit about your father. And then she goes, I'll tell the queen. <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, can, I can say it. I'll tell the queen. <laughs> fuck the fuck? You'll tell the queen? <laughs> and he goes, who do you think sent me? <laughs> laughing the whole way. He, he just loves this disorder and loves that this all is fucking happening. He loves when bad stuff happens to good people. It's just something he gets off on. He enjoys. He's one of those people. You grow up in a house with the mountain. You just, you can't help but be a little, have a little of that rub off on you. He's a bit nicer of a guy, or he actually is a person. He isn't an animal or a force of nature. But he finds the, this all so goddamn amusing. Like, hilarious. It's the funniest thing. Oh, well, someone say, to someone say, Bongo time? Sorry for that. That bongo break was brought to you by the Issues (laughs) Program. Sorry, I'm in a goofy mood tonight. Very goofy, because I'm so excited, but as again, I'm stalling a little bit for time to give Joe a little bit more time to show up. But it's just really exciting. I feel like I've been in the mar in the hell of watching some bad television the last couple days. We're going to be talking tomorrow if you're watching this live tomorrow around one p.m. Eastern Standard. I'm trying to do a bunch of different casts at different times of day so people in different parts of the world can tune in. So we're gonna do it. Start doing a daytime cast on Friday afternoons that I'm gonna do like a weekend recap about all the premieres this week. So make sure you take. Uh, check that out if you're around during that time or check it out on replay and let us know what you thought of trailers that you saw this week. But it's so good to watch Game of Thrones season one. I can't get over it. It's, It's so much fun. It feels great. I could watch. I think all in all, I look back on it and I change this up a little bit, but for right now, season one is my favorite season of game of thrones from beginning to end because it's the season I can watch the most on repeat I could just continuously watch these episodes and I love them so much
1: <laughs>
0: sam says oh wow I didn't know you could play the bongos very cool Ren, Renwood, would welcome and burned yeah and, yeah and this I uh, burned his face off <laughs> what's the german word for loving others epic fans <laughs> Yes. uh, Someone asked me recently, I got a message because they saw me play the bongos a couple of times in videos and they asked for a drum solo video. So uh, I think I'll do that. Uh, Why not? I'll do that. I'll probably be a short video, (laughs) probably a short video. Or maybe I will, uh, I'll put some video of, of Stephanie or me playing Mario Maker and just play bongos to it or some crap like that. So thank you everybody for your kind words about the bongo playing here and there. I will make a drum solo video for you. Appreciate that. I appreciate that, Bob. Bob Driscoll, or whatever the fuck your name was. Motherfucker. 599-7483. Your phone number. No, I'm kidding. I uh, I'm making up the number part. It is, and I don't want to live in the past, because I love a lot of episodes that happened in Game of Thrones in season 5. Season 4 is very close for me to season 1 for my enjoyment factor. I love season 2 too, as well. It's just going back to these episodes after watching season five and then after watching some poor things leading up to this time period, as I believe Kaylana was, uh, was implying, Phil, could you, you know, you, you, need, you need a shower. You need to shower yourself with some good Game of Thrones. So here we are. So, off to Arya finding her sword. Nothing is better than this moment in this episode. This is one of my favorite moments in the episode. And it's interesting how it all comes together and how her reaction to this is. So, let's get into this. So, Arya goes and she runs through and she looks to find Needle. And she's trying to find Needle. She's looking everywhere and she finally finds Needle. And some fucking little dick comes up behind her and thinks he's going to fuck with Arya. But she don't play like that. He's like, oh, what do you want? I want you, wolf girl. And come here and tries to grab her and he, she says, "Leave me be and turns around. And she does not even hesitate. You could say she did it by accident, but I don't know so much. Uh, the look on her face, I think, was more surprise on what she on how it felt after she did it because she probably actually felt bad for a half a second looking in his face. But as she turned around and she stabs this kid, you got to think some part of her... I feel like some part of her enjoyed that and maybe fell into a little bit of a calling. It's sick. It's sick, this little sick girl. Stabbed him right, bam, dead. And the kid just bleeds out of the ground, poking him full of holes. She knows which end is the goddamn pointy end. Uh, Farquaad says, how could the book readers enjoy season one knowing what was to come? <laughs> good. Good point in the sense... And it's, it's a bigger, bigger point that you could talk about spoilers in general and knowing where a story is going to end, does that make watching the story as enjoyable? And I would say it depends on the certain thing. I bet if the show had not been done well, if it was, hor- if it was horribly put together and kind of extra insulting to, to the source material, people would have had a more problem people would have acted a little bit more out there about watching it and would have been a little bit more i'm not going through this again just to go through it for the shock value of it all i think also some people that were that were watching it or that had read it and were watching it with others that they knew that hadn't read the books were looking forward to those shock moments those were the people holding cameras on people in certain parts of the show that maybe we haven't gotten to yet, seeing people's reactions. It was the people that had read the books and knew what was coming and were preparing their friends for it and wanting to see their reactions. I think that probably had a lot to do with it as well. Misery loves company and you want to bring others into your mess. (laughs) Or Or (laughs) does she like stabbing fat boys? I don't like fat," says Arya. Bass Lindu. After that Arya scene, I feel like rewatching season five, episode ten. I agree. After, and that's what I was kind of hinting at too. Again, we gave our we gave our very vague spoiler warning, so we can be vague about things that happen in the future. Maybe we're not gonna say specific things, but that's why I really loved that scene with her and Trance at the beginning, where with what she says to him, where she's just like, "I'm not going with you." And her interactions with him right there, because it does come full circle. In some fashion. And that's a lot. And that's a lot of bloody fun. And then. It's like. It's murderers row of scenes in this episode. As we go to a. a Really great fucking scene. With Varys and Ned in the black cells. We don't really get. Just for book people. We don't get really too into. Or at all into Ned's dreams that he had. In the cells in the book. But. But we and we also don't get into one other thing about Varys and Varys in the books describes uh, actually works or it doesn't work. He's he's a master of disguise. It's something that they don't really get into too much in the show. They hint at it, but it's never fully fully developed. He disguises himself as a turnkey as someone as a guard in the prison cells for years. He just, he, uh, he does it. And when he doesn't even really care about seeing anybody, he does it just so on the occasion that he might need to talk to someone in the black cells, he's in a position to do so. And here's where it all comes to fruition. And I get why you don't, that's hard to show in the first season when you, when someone like him is kind of like a side mystery character, but it's something that gets explained more in detail because in in the books that's uh, that's worth mentioning because it's fun more details to the world i feel like that exists in this world too uh we just didn't get told because we didn't have time to see that because everything's mainlined on a television show (laughs) i love you guys in the chat so goddamn much thank you so much for making my time here uh, talking to you all the more fun it's great to it's just great to have so many i say this a lot but i say it a lot in comments and i just want you to know how genuine it is I, it's so great to make so many new friends and get to talk to you guys throughout the week about all these shows and all these past shows it makes uh it makes it so much fun and we're just gonna keep doing this like i said out here a lot more often from now the extended future right now because of many factors in my life that have changed and i don't have much to do right now as i search for search for uh, unemployed uh <laughs> looking for a new job and all that sort of stuff having having uh having been separated or quitting my uh quitting slash being fired from my job maybe i'll do a life podcast at some point later not the game of life no, no. anyways so so there's. He's in there for curiosity, which seems like he's there just for curiosity to understand what the fuck Ned was thinking. And he's there also with some water. And in a way, in this scene, kind of bitch slaps Ned all over the place. I just love this scene so much. I love love watching Varys mentally bitch slap Ned and give him the... I told you so, what the fuck were you, th- what, the, the angry video game nerd, what were you thinking, almost straight out, and also in this episode really does an excellent job from this scene to the next scene that we see Varys in the uh, Cersei, Littlefinger, Paisel, Cer- uh, Sansa interrogation scene, the different voices and different attacks, the way he says things, the way his, uh, his phrasing even Varys really is so calculating and so different, has just a different agenda and different way he talks to every single person. It's so fun to watch. (laughs) Varys Varys likely has one of those red palm mouthpieces. (laughs) Love Varys' Dungeon Stooge outfit for visiting the Black Cell prisoners, his outfit for Gimpy. Oh my God, Too funny. Okay, I'm going to send out our right, invite to Joe right now, and I'm going to turn down his volume. So in case he pops in here, he's no, we're not going to hear him like going like this as he's setting up his table. So let's keep an eye out for, for Mr. Joe to pop in the room. Pop out, pop, pop him pop, poppin. Pop. So here so we're, where the fuck were we? Where the fuck were we with that shit. <laughs> Tell me where, tell me where, where are we? Shut this off. No overlay selected. I know. I understand. I understand you suck fucking Google Hangout right now. Google Hangout's being a bitch right now, folks. So he offers Ned some water and Ned is apprehensive at first and says, I promise you it is not poison. And, uh, I, I get... I can't say it enough how much I just love Varys in this scene. Why is it that no one ever trusts the eunuch as he drinks the water to show him? But he could just build up a tolerance to the lidocaine powder that he put in there. That is possible. It isn't inconceivable. That's not inconceivable. It could actually happen. Anybody need a peanut? So, not so much, my lord. But uh, but I would say Ned goes to drink it and he tries to advise him not to drink so much. And, uh, and he says, I would save the rest if I were you men have been known to die of thirst in these cells. And Ned, who just unfortunately is just such a shit situation as we're going to find out as this scene gets dictated a little bit, he's just, he's in, he's shit out of luck here for so many ways. Not to mention he's just in the same position his brother was many years ago in the cells. The, what? just somewhere he probably in his life never wanted to be and never wanted to never thought he would be, especially with everything he's been through with Robert and thinking that Robert was King or with Robert as King. And once Robert became King, he's just, he was like, Oh, okay. Everything's going to be okay. Even if I disagree with Robert, he's never going to put me in this position. We have a King that might be a big blowhearted dumbass in some ways, but I love him and he loves me and I'm sort of protected and can talk and say what I want in some ways, and what happened to my brother and my father will never happen to me. I mean, I still am holding out hope that Ned's going to be safe. I really can't see this show getting a character actor like Sean Bean in, in like, and not using him more past this first season. And so I really do think maybe Ned will be in the dungeons for a long time. And we'll just keep going back to him through the seasons. I, and then maybe somewhere down the line, like in season four or five or something, he'll get out of prison and then be a big part of the story again. He just—he's just such a such an important force. I just don't see the show being without him in any level. How could it work? How could it do it? How could they do? How could they do such a thing? <laughs> Funny, Ferris doesn't look so Sicilian. <laughs> All his own making, unlike his father and his brother, says Ren Renwood. Very good point. And that is really... Ren, great to see you. That is one of the most important points to bring that... Why Varys is even having this talk with him. He's... And I understand we get into this again a little bit more in the books about Varys. He just... Ned goes in there with the preconceived notion not to trust Varys. And and not Littlefinger as well. But Catelyn really... Kind of gets to him a little bit, and he's like, okay, he really believes that Littlefinger is going to serve his best interest at some point in time. And it's just stupid. And, and like, talking to Cersei the way he did in the last episode, getting in her face like that, stupid. We, we lost our shit at Ned Stark in the last, uh, last recap of uh, episode seven. I believe we called him stupid for probably 20 minutes straight. And I'm gl- almost glad, I'm gladdened by the fact that Ned realizes it here at the end. He actually, you, he, you see that he actually comes to grips with the fact that he knows he fucked up bad and there's nothing he can do about it. Farcloud says, who is bigger, the mountain or that giant in The Princess Bride, Andre the Giant? I think uh, someone can correct me. I would believe that Andre weighs more, but the mountain is taller when it really comes down to it. I think Andre the Giant was not just a big and I don't know if you mean the actor that plays the mountain or the mountain's character. If we're going character to character, I think I think the Princess Bride Giant would be bigger, would be considered bigger. If we're going real, like the actor that plays the mountain now versus Andre the Giant, Andre the Giant weighed more. Like he was huge. He was like, like really like fat in his later life he he got but i think he was like seven one or seven two i'm not sure how big the uh, current mountain is i think he's close to that i think he's uh maybe six eleven but he's like jacked (laughs) when Varys implied back lancel might in uh impaled drugged wine for rob robert to ned let me let him know Cersei was in on it. Let Ned know that Cersei was in on that. Oh, my God. The way he talked to Cersei, that was the biggest mistake he ever could have made. Don't make me go off on that rant against this Sam. Kayla says, please stop the intentional misdirection about future intentions. Sam says, what intentional misdirection? <laughs> I accept both of your responses, and I'll do my best to, uh, <laughs> to not be so obvious with my intentional mis- misrepresentations. Eric Gossam said it would be too much of a cliche to have Sean Bean die. Farquh says innocent people usually have a blind side with evil. With evil. Oh, evil. Why am I not getting any of the calls? This is not fun. I'm calling. Here we go. I want to try something. Folks, bear with me here for a second. Let me try to refresh this page. I see that we've gotten some calls. I, I, see, I keep seeing it, but for some reason, I'm not hearing the phone ring. It's not ringing on me here. And I, and I highly apologize, because I fucking love it. The current mountain, boo for recast. Innocent people usually have a blind side with evil, as Farquaad said before. So uh, Ned inquires about his daughters. And uh, Vera says, the youngest one have escaped the castle. Even my little birds cannot find her. And Sansa, still engaged to Joffrey. Cersei will keep her close. The rest of your household, though, is dead. It grieves me to say, I hate the sight of blood, as he says. And Ned, continuing to be somewhat of a dumbass, says, You watched my men being slaughtered, and you did nothing. You did nothing? Why? I mean, come on. And Varys makes a very good point. When you look at me, do you see a hero? And no, Farron, like Varys, what, did Ned really say that? He probably just said that without thinking because he couldn't really realistically expect Varys to step up in that situation and try to help him out. Come on, you're not that dense. I mean, I understand you're grasping for straws right there, but you're blaming, if you blame any of this on anybody but yourself, and Catelyn maybe. Maybe Catelyn. Let's see, we got some texts. We got some texty taxes. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I Great to be back talking about Game of Thrones as well. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Oh, my God. Six foot nine. Julius Bjornson. <laughs> he stands six foot nine inches tall. Holy shit. That's huge. Okay. Yes. Blah blah blah. F- Phone. Uh, it's so. Hu- it's so hard. You're doing a good job, though. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we know Ned ain't gonna live to season four and five, but Phil keeps saying he wishes when he's seen all the seasons. It's a joke, not to spoil the opposite's cruel. Okay. Fair enough, Kayla. <laughs> Sorry about that. I love Kayla so much. She keeps keeps me honest here. She keeps me Keeps me in line. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Gosh, I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys lots. Okay, let's try one more time for there. So, so you watched uh, my men being slaughtered. And I, again, I wrote, really, Ned? Him? He's, he was going to help you out here? Uh, I don't think... I don't think so. And uh, you did nothing. Yep. And I would again, my lord. I was unarmed and uh, surrounded by Lannister swords. When you look at me, do you see a hero? And... I'm sorry, I I said it a few times, but I'm sorry. Ned's gotta be smart enough in this situation to understand that Varys basically did all he could. And he tried to help him, and I think, I also want to mention, that something I was wondering, did Varys, towards a couple of episodes ago when Arya was in the dungeons and could hear him and Ilario talking, they talk about, yeah, we can't kill this hand. It's not the same as the old hand. So it seems like Varys from the beginning really wanted Ned to stay alive and maybe had some sort of plan uh, that Ned was a part of. It's, it's, just, it's interesting just to note that I think Varys from the beginning, Ned dying wasn't fitting into his plans or Ned being thrown into a dungeon wasn't fit, fitting into his plans. So he says I was unarmed for the of Swords. Come on. Uh, when you look at me, do you see a hero? And then he asks him the, the $25,000 question What madness led you to tell the queen you learned about the truth about Joffrey's birth? What fucking madness? What, what fresh hell is this? Uh, Andre, seven foot four, 240 pounds. Holy shit. So I guess Andre the Giant wins that equation. Thank you so much for our wonderful, amazing fact checker, Ren Renwood. Holy fucking shit. Fun to, wa- fun to watch this documentary on Powerlifters about, uh, about the current mountain, who's one of the world's strongest men. I think in a different world, I love Hodor as Hodor, but I think if Game of Thrones had been on in a different magic time period, Andre the Giant probably would have uh, been one of the people up for the part of Hodor. And then we could have had the true, uh, true face-off between the two of them. I would have loved it. I love you. Uh, who is Tim Dale? Oh, someone's asking me a question about The Sopranos. Who is Tim Daly on The Sopranos? Uh, th- that's a question for a different show. But I will answer you. Tim Daly on The Sopranos, I believe, was Danny Sc- Scatoni or something like that was his name? Whatever, sorry. <laughs> Sorry stupid question Why are you asking me about that At Game of Thrones show viewer <laughs> Screwing me up you know, I, you know I'm like a little cat I can't like read a line And not go off on a stupid rant about it <laughs> Oh they say because I mentioned The Sopranos tonight the, fair, fair enough Kaylin says, just for shits and giggles, we could back up and run through the start with Joe and Crow. I like their comments. Too fun. We'll make, I'll make sure I let them, uh, let them comment about what happened. If you notice, we're moving even extra slow than we usually do. So we haven't really got to too much of the, the heart of the episode. I just invited Joe again. He had said he, he, had said he was just finishing at 7 o'clock. So he should be home any minute now, and he's probably, him and Katie are probably setting up and preparing, and he's uh, cooling off from his uh, rage at the doctors. So, uh, and yeah, Vera says, yeah, I would, uh, I would fuck you over again, buddy. No, I would not do anything again. And Ned's reaction to what madness led him to tell the queen he learned the truth about Joffrey's birth, the madness of Mercy. Mercy. That she might save the children. Ah, the children! Why can't somebody think think of the goddamn goddamn children? As Varys gets in, it's always the innocents who suffer. It always is. Always the innocents who suffer. if it wasn't the wine that killed Robert, nor the boar, the wine slowed him. And the boar gutted him. They finished the job. But really, really, you know what? Tim Daly, uh, that played Superman, I believe. Didn- did Tim Daly, the guy who played, uh, did he play Batman voice actor, or the the just the animated series? I believe he played, su- excuse me, Superman in some of the Superman animated series episodes. <laughs> yes, exactly. We wouldn't want Joe to come in on a rage. That's not my goal. <laughs> As I give him a uh, softball points that I know my best friend well enough to know that he's going to go off in a blind rage during other t- other shows casts. Joe's very calm during the walk during the game of thrones casts or well season one, season one ones. Th- Anyways. So yeah, the fucking children. It's always the innocents who suffer. It wasn't the wine that killed Robert nor the boar. The wine slowed him down. The boar ripped him open, but it was your mercy that killed the king. Cersei's plan got pushed forward because of that warning. Again, that's something that's in the book. They don't really need to explain in the show. She sent someone back and forth that kind of it all the plan got pushed ahead because of everything that Ned did. And Ned gave her sort of like a time clock on it, too. And that's just idiot. So Ned gets this huge motherfucking smile. The queen can't kill me, bitch. Cat holds her brother. The wrong brother, sadly, and she lost her, and he lo- and lost him. Your wife has let the imp slip through your fingers, and Ned's face is so fucking hilarious. It's like, oh, smile. He's, she's got the imp. To, oh, um. If that's truth, can you just kill me right now, cause, and be done with it. And Varys is like, not today, buddy, not today. You're not getting off that easy for your your stupidity. You're going to have to suffer for this for a while. The realm. And then he asks Varys the important question. Varys, who do you truly serve? And he says, the realm. Someone must, my lord, which is very interesting. And you know what? I believe it to a certain extent. I believe that Varys serves the realm or what he thinks should be the realm or his opinion of the whole situation? Do you think, and that's a good question for you guys in the chat, do you think, from what we know of Varys, from now on, does Varys truly serve the realm or does he serve his own agenda of what he thinks is best for the realm? Which may be the same thing. I I think the ultimate difference in my mind between him and Littlefinger is different methods in some ways, similar methods in others, but I think when it really comes down to it, Varys is thinking about it from a more empathetic standpoint of trying to think about, uh, as a whole, what's better. Maybe from his narrow perspective, where Littlefinger is going for his own personal gain. That's all he cares about. That is all little. That is all Littlefinger gives a dog dog shit poo poo about. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Ned I can't remember Just generic conde- conversation, Not a spoiler <laughs> I know I know We're all kidding uh, Munching food real fast Joe and Crow uh, Ned is classic Good guy At the beginning of the war He dies wonder- Wondering why No one else Is following his rules Good point Well I'm getting I'm getting textaholic Well lots of stuff Lots of questions About voice actors So we'll get back To that later In a different uh, Different show that is that is for a different show. As I'll invite Joe one more time. I keep inviting him, so eventually you're going to see that little face pop up on the camera below us. As we cut over to the wall and Mormont talking to the guys, checking out a couple of dead bodies that were found on the hunt, and they see that it's a couple of men that they knew. It's a. Uh, Mo- it's Otter or Other or something, without a doubt. And the other guy is Jaffer Flowers or something like that, are the guys' names. And, uh, and yeah, and John asks about where, if you've seen Benjamin. We get another Benjamin mention here. And uh, these guys have seemingly been dead for a while. And, and this is where Sam starts to develop himself a little bit. Sam says, the smell. And Mormont's like, what are you talking about, the smell? And Sam's like, well, if these dudes have been dead for a long time, wouldn't there be rot? To which John responds, we should burn them. And I believe it's Bowen Marsh, but I'm not positive, says, snow's not wrong, my lord. Fire will do that, will do for them the wildling way. What I want to know is how John knows that at that point right there to, to burn them. Old Nan, is he remembering an old Nan story where where that's the only way to get rid of the the whites the undead i'm guessing that's where it comes from did did, was john allowed to get old nan's stories or was he never allowed in the house it's a question i don't know the answer to oh we're getting star trek reviews far cloud that's happening that is fucking happening Ren Renman says, i got to put my little chickens to bed. I'll be back. Critch says, at this time, I thought Varys was telling the truth. Obviously, he's a plotter and no one to trust in a bad situation. Sam Carvin says, voice actors for what? (laughs) Uh, My cousin was asking me some voice acting questions. Uh, Sam says, and by the way, does anyone know how to stop the double message glitch? Because it's happening to me four or five times in the chat already. Refresh the page. It'll probably work you may have to refresh the page a couple times uh i mean it may happen start again for whatever it's worth because they're doing a lot of upgrading and trying to get some uh, more gaming into youtube and steal people from twitch they've they fucked with the system a little bit so things are moving weird and they're constantly updating the chat and everything so everything's real glitchy right now and it needs to settle youtube is like Goes through glitchy phases and like these peaks and valleys. So right now we're in a glitchy phase. Not everyone. Uh, Sam says I truly don't know what it's. Uh, what is Mormon's Raven? I don't see your double post. All the northern kids know the rules. Okay, so all. Thank you, Critch. All the northern kids inherently know the rule to, to make sure you burn. Make sure you burn the, any dead men. And I guess John was also john's a little bit more aware of everything that's going on too because if we think about how the whole series started with with uh john seeing ned behead that guy that was very very seriously considering and thinking that that uh talking about white walkers like they or like they really exist and as we saw they do (laughs) thanks to uh his situation multitasking just a lot of doing multitask trying to find joe and get him in here da 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 da, da, da. okay just sent joe another message to try to get him in here <laughs> so sam says that, uh he says to sam uh, mormon gives sam the closest thing to a compliment he's ever gotten his whole life you may be a coward tarly but you're not stupid and this is a very important moment for Sam and for, and for Mormon discovering that on the show and how this is all de- is depicted here, discovering that Sam isn't useless, that Sam does have a purpose and where he can be beneficial to him. Reading, understanding things that normal men would not know. <laughs> Kaylana says, we don't know how bad Catelyn was treating John. She did put him out in the kennels, uh, Or something. Yeah, she put him out in the kennel. She wouldn't let him come in the house uh, during when the king was there. She was real mean to him after when he went to go visit uh, Bran before he left for um, excuse me before he left for the wall. And there's been a couple times where we've seen her talking to Ned and telling Ned that Jon can't stay with her. He so we've seen that. She, does, she probably doesn't hold her tongue. She doesn't seem like the type of person to me that's going to hold her tongue and pretend to care about John. That being said, I'm pretty sure Ned, uh, old Nan's connected to the Starks and would, prete- and would do whatever Ned said. So Ned would probably make sure that John was taken care of by old Nan as well. Would be my guess. Uh, Sam says, I was, as I was listening to the audiobook, I was shocked to see how badly he was treated. Yeah. Exactly. They just they just don't show that as much because they don't show you as much in the early part leading up to Winterfell, whereas a big part of the first book is learning how the interworkings of that family interact. We, we kind of flash through a lot of moments in the, in the first season, which is which is great because you understand, again, for television, they show you just enough to make you fall in line with the story and and in television, sometimes less is more. People can say that they would want every scene dictated in the show on, on screen, but then there'd be a lot of staring at food and describing food. <laughs> then the pies. And you should have seen the stacks of pies. They were pies for miles. And Sansa never saw pies like this before. And she loved the pies. And she ate the pies. As she saw the pie, she knew her pie was tasty. And she ran over her other pie and danced with the pie and danced with the devil pie by the pale moon pie so <laughs> you may be a coward entirely but you're not stupid lord commander maester amon uh, the crow comes in and uh and amon awaits ha- awaits you in a chamber some guy tells mormon that uh, amon is in his chamber waiting for him that a raven came from king's landing so John and Mormont—it's a scene with John and Mormont, and Mormont tries to get John to drink. And I think this is funny, just worth mentioning from later in the episode that we'll get to a scene that with Tywin and Tyrion, where in this scene Mormont keeps trying to get John to drink, and in that scene Tywin just makes sure that Tyrion cannot drink, and it, it, he plays a game of keep away from Tyrion with uh, with the booze, <laughs> which I guess was an improv by Char- Charles Dance, which is an interesting dimension. So uh, John and Mormont, so he's trying to get a drink and uh, bring me a horn of ale, snow, and pour one for yourself. There's just a long pause, and and John goes, "Is there any word of my father?" And he goes, "Sit." And he goes, "No, sit." It's just one of those like, "Like sit, no, no, don't fucking, don't fucking talk to me. Sit the fuck down right now." And Lord Stark has been charged with treason, and John just this whole time is like, "What the fuck?" You almost forget, and it makes you this isn't a bad thing. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. Certain actors just get better over time. And I think John, Kid Harrington, has gotten better, got to be better actor over time. At the beginning, John's very much a lot of one note. And I think he, as an actor, just understands the character a lot more where we're at now in season five than he did back here. And that's not to say I don't, like John in this scene or I don't understand his feeling but he seems very and Threat to use a weird word he seems very visceral in everything here like very visual everything you see I'm angry I'm the he just develops much more as an actor you can see that and maybe it's knowing a little bit of the of this actual situation where he's someone that just came right out of theater school basically and got hired on the show that he's he learns to to he, you see him learning to act over the course of the first few seasons, and I think he really becomes great by, this, by the last season, and seeing, seeing, seeing the storyline, some of the stuff that they did with him this past season is my favorite John stuff yet, and I love, love the work that he's doing. I just think some of the, at the beginning, he wasn't my favorite character right from go, And I was like, oh, and he'd be a little like, especially, the, what? Anyway, what am I, I don't know. I just was a little put, a little put off by John at first. I was like, dude. And I mean, you understand he's had it hard, but again, I feel like they didn't do enough of a justice to show you how hard the bastard really has it. And how he feels when getting to the wall. They made him going to the wall something he, re- I mean, he really felt honor about, and all this sort of stuff. And they sort of come to grips with it when he's talking to Tyrion, where he's like, oh, "My father knew what this place was." But there's a lot more of that, and a lot more of his understanding of why he's being sent there. I, I don't know. That's just a opinion, little opinion of, that I have, <laughs> little incorrect opinion. Kaylana says, Rob, even Theon, call act all bro and happy. So I, so I thought outside of Catelyn's bitch face him, Jon was the older brother fine for the younger kids. Everyone loves pie. <laughs> I think what it was, and I think you're right about that, that except for Catelyn and Sansa, everyone, in pro- Theon, but who gives a shit about Theon, everybody, the rest of the family probably all treated him normal. And everyone else around there probably treated him normal. And like everybody else. But Sansa probably didn't say three words to him her whole life. And Catelyn just acted like, put Catelyn bitch face on. <laughs> Catelyn, Catelyn bitch face. <laughs> the, the new cologne by Catelyn bitch face. Come on, buddy. Come on in. Now I don't know. Now I'm worried that Joe got into a car accident on the way home or something. He was on the way home an hour ago. And then I know where he was. It's not an hour away. Perhaps he's having computer problems. So, uh, so anyways, we're going to continue. We're going to continue along this thing. If we have to do this, just us and you guys, us together will do this. And then we'll all make fun of Joe later and tell him how much we love him and miss him. So, uh, so. This was the moody John Face time. Yeah, really, it was. It was total moody John Face. Well, he was a teenager, so he was going through the moody goth rebellious teen stage, (laughs) says Sam. As bad as she was, they whitewashed Cat's deeds. Exactly. They did. They didn't show you how bad she she actually was. How bad that bitch actually was. (laughs) Fucking Cat. He saw my little thing. Motherfucker, get on in here. (laughs) If you're watching, get on in here, motherfucker. So Lord Stark has been, uh, so there's a long part, one of my father, and he says, Lord Stark has been charged with treason. And Jon's like, what the fuck? Well, he didn't say it like that. He has a very deep voice. What the fuck? They say he conspired with Robert's brothers to deny the throne to Prince Joffrey. And John takes the letter and reads. He's like, I can read, motherfucker. Give me that. And Mormont says to him, I hope you're not thinking of doing anything stupid. Your duty lies here. And he says, my sisters were in King's Landing, too. And Mormont, with the most unconvincing, straight face, like, yeah, they're, du- they're dead, bro, says, I'm sure they'll be treated gently. Sure, they will. Everybody in the Seven Kingdoms knows the story of what happened to, to, uh, that what the mountain did to, to Ilya Martel and her kids. We all know. We all know what happened. There's no hiding, bitch. Uh, Kaylana says, I'm used to Aiden Turner, and some actors can put flavor to their portrayal, even moody characters, unless the director told Kit to have no facial expressions or body language unless it's <laughs> off. And I think maybe at this point he just didn't know. <laughs> like, Kit, could you could you probably be a little less wooden? Is that possible? Could you do it? And he did it. Fair enough. I think I think they really... He really gets better. He gets a lot better. Someone like Aria, Maisie Williams, is great from the beginning, and I think she's great right up until time. Like, she starts, goes all the way through, amazing. Someone like Kid Harrington and uh, the actor that plays Sam, who both were coming out of acting school at the time when they signed on the show. It took them a few years, but now that they're going, they're really great. And, you know, at the beginning, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, you're thrown into this big thing and and filming the show and it, and you have direct directors and people yelling at you. And Kit seems to be a little doof. No. <laughs> so <laughs> so to probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode. One of my favorite scenes in Game of Thrones ever. To Paisel, little Littlefinger, and Cersei Conditioning Sansa and setting her up And just the look on Cersei's face In this entire scene is Unbelievable Unbelievable It's so funny It's so funny, I love this shit The rumors of your demise were unfounded uh, Well, sorry uh, I
1: disappoint you
0: Well, I jumped the gun I can't I was expecting Just a little inside baseball I was expecting having time where Joe is talking to set up the right clip. So now I'm like clicking on wrong clips. So we'll get back to clips next, next time, next episode. So we go to Paisel and Vera's and Littlefinger. And this just scene is like a thousand levels of awesome sauce. The look on Cersei's face is just, impeccably entertaining hearing Varys talk out the other side of his ass that you saw a different side of Varys where he he's talking to Ned and then seeing this Varys it's just great little is perfect the way he's observing everything and jumping in and subtly trying to just 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 watching and making his plan waiting to waiting to strike and figure out what his next step is there's KYJ. Uh, he had a good training, hiding his feeling with the cat bastard, shaming him his whole life. <clears throat> so Varys starts in, your father has proved to be an awful traitor, dear. And then the Paisel, King Robert's body was still warm when Lord Eddard began plotting to steal the throne from him. And uh, Sa- Sansa is just so cute in this scene. He wouldn't do that. He knows how much I love Joffrey he wouldn't please your grace it's been a big mistake send for my father he'll tell you the king was his friend he'll tell come on please and again they, they just flash on littlefinger's face this whole time with just this smug little funny look on his face It's freaking hilarious i just i love it Ooh, we got pete weinstein messaging me too what the hell What's going on here? Oh, okay. I'm seeing. I got a, uh, I got, uh, I'm in a group text. So I'm getting messages from lots of different people. It's not just people viewing the show. Okay. Those are two separate texts. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, Pete. I know you'll be watching the show later. Sorry that uh, your boy Kurt Sutter's show sucks there. Fucking bastard execution. fuck. <laughs> Kaylana says, little fingers during Sansa's interrogation scene shows his first son. He's trying to help her. Absolutely. I agree with that. So, <clears throat> excuse me again. So uh, Sansa, sweetie, <laughs> send for my father. He'll tell you the king was his friend. So, so Cersei says, Sansa, sweetie, sweet, sweetling, you're innocent of any wrongdoings. We know this, but yet you're the daughter of a traitor. How can I allow you to marry my son? To which Zell, so hateful, says a child born of traitor seed is no fit consort for our king. She is a sweet thing now, your grace. But in ten years, who knows what treason she may hatch. <laughs> which leads into probably the funniest moment of the entire episode. And, the, and up until this point, one of the funniest moments of the series to be. Uh, this whole interaction. <clears throat> how, can I, how can I allow you to marry my son? And she, she goes, no, I'm not. I'll be a good wife to him, you'll see. I'll be a queen, a good queen. I won't hatch anything. I'll be a queen just like you. <laughs> and the look on Cersei's face, like, just like me, it scares her for a second. She's, like, taken aback. She's like, wait. Ooh. Just like me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop that shit. <laughs> but she doesn't, and I think she's amazed at how innocent this girl is and how naive she is to think even to this point that Cersei is on her side. Oh my God. Joffrey takes time to listen to her at least. Yep. And her sweet words have moved him. Hopefully she just stays moved. Crit says, yep. Joffrey seems to have learned something from this humiliation. Maybe he'll be a better King than we think. Kaylana says in Cersei's cynical droll look, of her dumb innocent was hilarious this whole scene i can't say it enough how many levels of awesomeness of hilarity and seriousness that it's come come in this moment and just reading through the scene and reading through the lines as kaylana pointed out you get the first glimpse of how Littlefinger really cares about her and is trying to make this work excuse me or or looking on with with uh, wonder and care upon her. Excuse me. You see, Varys really trying to clandestine, uh trying to be clandestine, but like doing it but trying to protect her as well. And certain things he's saying here. And again, our second funniest moment in this scene is with Littlefinger when, when we get into this whole thing. So let's get to it. Best if uh, you help your father, little dove. You must write Lady uh, Catelyn a letter. Littlefinger says, the girl's innocent, your grace. She should be given a chance to prove her loyalty, is what Littlefinger says here. And uh, Cersei says, little dove, you must write to Lady Catelyn and your brother the eldest. What the fuck's his name? I don't really care. Rob, yeah, Rob. Word of your father's arrest will come to him soon, no doubt. But best it come from you if you tell them, help your father, urge your brother to help keep the king's peace. Tell him to come the king's landing, swear fealty to Joffrey, and all will be good. Sansa, who has a moment, a rare moment of thought here, <laughs> doesn't last long, but she has a rare moment of thought. If I could only see my father and talk to him about this, because this kind of seems a little weird. Little finger just gives her this cut it out look, like, and Cersei goes, You disappoint me, child. We have been told of your father's treason. Why would you want to speak to a goddamn fucking traitor? And she goes, I only meant what would happen to him. And Cersei says, that depends on what? On your brother and on you. Cut to, we go to a little bit of, into the second half of the episode where we get into everybody getting the letter and their responses to what happens post this letter. So, yeah, just like Cersei. Cersei thinking the bitch will be evil soon. Exact. She's transferring that onto, onto Sansa. She's, like, she's thinking, oh, okay. Come on. Uh, if, if, Sans, if Sansa's... Everybody wants to be evil like me. No one can be queen and actually be a good person. That shit is impossible. <laughs> Not going to happen ever. So... Okay, so we cut to everyone getting the letter. So the first place that we stop off and is in King's land not King's Landing, is up to Winterfell, where Rob, Master Lewin, and Theon are sitting around reading the letter. And uh, Theon, and uh, Theon doesn't really talk at first here, but let's see, we got, you are in a video call with Joe. Wait, wait, is Joe in here? Did Joe step in? It says I'm in a video call with Joe, but I don't see him in here. Let's see. It says Joe it says Joe has joined the video call for a second. Did anyone see Joe pop in there? No, I didn't. God damn it. You're lying to me, motherfucker. <laughs> As the guests haul their audio and video from my broadcast. No. Broadcast a large video so you feed my feed. Yes. Try again, Joe. Come on in, buddy. Uh, do you think Aria would have written the letter, says ask Ren Renwood? I agree with everything that Kaylaine has said. Hell no, Aria would be roomhouse bound. Yeah. Aria would say fuck no and be out of there in two seconds flat. I bet. Let's see. Okay, I got it. Oh my god, I understand. I've got it. What is doing? What's going on here? Are you okay? Take me to the uh take me there already. Sorry guys, I'm trying to figure out the what madness is going on here. I don't know if they're not letting Joe jump in the jump in the call for some reason so uh so we cut to rob master loon and theon rob is the heart and balls of ned Uh, he is the heart of ned but the balls and sort of the wise assery of Catelyn, which isn't necessarily well it seems like a great he's truly both of their sons we'll say that (laughs) joe's having a shadow baby (laughs) joe's in the dark right here he's like i'm here are you... uh Can we hear you, Joe? Are you there? No. Okay. No, fuck no. <laughs> I heard a fuck no. <laughs> Phil, I'm going to stab you in the back of the head. What the fuck? <laughs> this isn't fair, motherfucker. I... <laughs> Too funny. Okay, so... So they're reading the letter and stuff, and they say treason. Yep. And uh, Sansa wrote this, that he asks, It's your sister's hand, but the queen's words. You're summoned to King's Landing to swear fealty to the new king. And Rob says, Joffrey put my father in change, and now he wants his ass kicked. This is a royal command, my lord, and uh, if you refuse, and Rob says, I won't refuse. His grace wants me to go to King's Landing. I'm going to go to fucking King's Landing. But I'm not going alone. Send me the banners. Get me the banners. Call in the motherfucking banners. And Lewin says all of them. And he goes, yes, my lord. They've all sworn fealty to my father. Have they not? And I got to say, Lewin looks so goddamn proud of Rob here. He is so happy. He's like my little, my little baby, my son, or my surrogate son in some ways. And you've, you got to feel really good for Lewin that, he, that he's in this kind of position. I don't know. I'm going to try something here, guys. If I get disconnected, let's see. Take me there. Let's go. Let's go if that works. We're s- I don't think so, because if Joe was having a, pr- like a real problem getting in, he would, he would let me know. And we've come this far. We can't end now. I can't stop it. I can't fucking stop it? We can't stop this ship now, <laughs> but I am so proud of Rob, and I think he's I think he is super proud of Lou, and I know Joe's been having some problems with his computers too, so it's probably he's having trouble connecting to the call a couple of times we've been late recently it's because we've bo- we've been having trouble connecting <laughs> I've been he we me and Joe are fighting now. he hates me. he's like, Fuck that, Phil. <laughs> But I will tell you one thing. Being alone, it's harder, it's harder to, to play, the, play the Phil's recap and review uh, drinking game when I go off camera for a second. <laughs> uh, Two-hour post before. Yeah, he's, he's my favorite of the Starks. I'm so proud of, proud of Rob. I am really proud of Rob. Joe, if you can hear this, if you happen to just be watching this, call in. 781 990 8509, and, and uh, we can at least get you on the phone line. So, if you're watching this right now, Joe, and you're having trouble getting into the call, like your computer's not connecting or something, call the phone line. We can get you in that way. So, uh, His Grace summoned me to King's Landing. I'm going to go. Lewin, again, Lewin looks so fucking proud. Theon talks to Rob, and I, I, I wrote, I also like Theon here. I like what Theon says here and his implication. That he is, just that he says to him, listen, you know, are you, are you afraid? And he goes, I must be, as we see his hand shaking. And he goes, why is that good? And, uh, and Theon says, that's good. He goes, why is that good? It means you're not stupid. And if anybody knows stupid, it's Theon. I mean, end it, invite, and start over with us. Uh huh. Only fifteen minutes in. I guess I. I mean, I could try to. Do, I could try to do that if. Uh, again, if Joe. When Joe messages me, I can do that. I can start over and then, download both and. Uh, and then repost it all as one video. But I'm. I'm gonna finish. And what we'll do. What I'll do if Joe doesn't join us at all. We will just have. Two recaps of this show, one a shorter one, or before the next episode, on episode nine, when we come back to do nine, I'll let Joe and Kate do a little bit of a recap of this episode and their thoughts of this episode before we get into nine on the next, on the next one. We've done stuff like that before. So, uh, so, yeah, we'll make sure that somewhere in these we get Joe and Kate's thoughts on this episode. So we go to the Eerie and Liza And Catelyn and uh, lots of crows. And I got to say, as batshit crazy as Liza is, she's very good. The actress plays this character very well. And I enjoy her scenes because she's so ridiculously over the top. It's hilarious. And this scene is one one of my favorite Liza scenes. Because you just see her, the many layers of her mind and how she shifts and stuff. Catelyn's yelling Liza with her kid on her lap, Sweet Robin, amazing performances by all three. Catelyn for her anger and frustration, Liza for her measured insanity, and Sweet Robin for just being Sweet Robin. Catelyn's pissed off. You've had this since day one. She grabs the letter about who knows how long it's been, but the letter about what happened to Ned and and the whole situation, or uh, Sansa's letter, I assume. He sent it to me, not to you. I've only showed it to you as a courtesy," she said. Liza says, nice and calm, and and Catelyn, who's freaking out. And there's nothing worse to arguing with someone that's so measuredly calm when you're freaking the fuck out. And uh, she says, "A courtesy? Your husband has been taken prisoner. My son intends to declare war. What the fuck?" A war? Your son against the Lannisters? You should go teach him patience, she says. Liza says. Ned rots in the dungeon you speak of patience. He's your brother by law. Does family mean nothing to you? Uh, Liza says, family means everything to me and I will not risk Robin's life to get caught up in another one of your husband's wars. As Robin goes, I'm hungry. (laughs) Hush, darling. You just ate. (laughs) You will not support us then? Like, like they're in different modes there. Catelyn is like an all-passionate uh trying to rally the troop mode and liza's just so mm, yeah not doing it do i understand you correctly you will not help me and then uh robin through this whole scene just keeps going on, but i'm hungry mom and she goes soon love you already ate and liza just turns turns to it you're always welcome here my sister but if you ask me to send men from the veil to fight that's what i asked go on and she sends robin away she's like Time for your bath. Go off. I'll be in your bath soon to touch you. Robin leaves and, uh, and Robin says, if you fear for your safety or yours of your son, uh, of course I fear for the safety in those of my son. You idiots. Are you an idiot? She calls Catelyn. They killed my husband. You say they shoved your boy from a window. These people will do anything. And that is why we have to stop them, Catelyn says. Liza stands up and gets in her face and he says, the knights." her face and says the knights of the veil vale will stay in the veil vale where they belong to protect their fucking lord and it's not really clear but we find out later that that's the last straw and catlin gets the hell out of there she can't deal with this insanity anymore and Kayla says, "Yeah, Joe and Crow at the start of episode nine sounds great. I'm just with Joe. Gosh, I miss the screaming. Me too. Me too. I'm, and trust me, I miss being able to take breaths. <laughs> I'm gonna be like mainlining hot tea at the end of this at the end of this session. <laughs> and I and I miss uh, the drinking game as well of me sneaking off camera. Not that I mean like you know, come on. So pretty soon I'll just do it on camera. But." <laughs> Uh tits feed the world my friend getting hungry. Oh god, you guys are hilarious. <laughs> you guys crack me the fuck up. <laughs> if you can't get through call 781-990-8509. So I just text last last attempt, I just text Joe to call on the phone lines. If he can. I'll do one more bongo solo at the end of the show. One more bongo solo at the end of the show. Bam. So, okay, let me shut that down. Shut that shit off right there. Shut that shit off, Phil. Okay, so Tyrion, then we cut off to... I feel like I'm going to be a broken record here, and I have been another one of my favorite scenes of the episode. Tyrion and Braun. And Tyrion had escaped the veil. And again, in the books, we learn a little bit more about what's going inside Tyrion's mind in this situation. Tyrion isn't just being an idiot, singing and yelling. He knows that the Hills tribes are all around him and they're going to kill him no matter what when it really comes down to it. So he's basically trying to get their attention so he can expedite the process because there's nothing worse than waiting to die. (coughs) It's fun to... It's fun. It's one thing to be in a situation where you know if you're quiet, you get away with it. But it's one of these situations where the Hill Tribes are going to find you. They're going to see you. You're going to be dead. What the fuck's the point? I'm going to be dead or I'm going to bribe these people to be on my side. Let's just hurry the fuck the, hurry this shit on. <laughs> so so Tyrion and Braun are running through and he's whistling. And I do think uh, quick Fast forward to season five. I think this is a funny parallel scene that you have with uh, Tyrion singing and humming and whistling while they're walking, and Braun being like, just shut up. Where we go to the future in season five with Doran with Braun and Jamie, and it's kind of flipped where Braun's the one whistling. You, you got to figure that Tyrion had a very big influence on Braun in a lot of ways. So we continue. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the room. Welcome to our recap and review of Season 1, Episode 8, The Pointy End. And everybody, I'll take this time to say, if you haven't already and you're in here checking out this video, you haven't subscribed yet, please hit the subscribe button. If you're enjoying this babble fest, this wonderful time we're having with you guys in the awesome fucking chat... Subscribe so you know when we go live. You'll get a little notification every time we go live. And if you're around, you can pop in. We're going to have a lot of different broadcasts at different times of the day. We're on right after our shows on Sunday nights after Game of Thrones when it's in Game of Thrones season. Or we'll be talking The Walking Dead. Better call Saul when that comes back. And doing a weekly recap of some other shows. So, Please make sure, if you're interested and you want, to have some fun with me, my friends Joe and Kate, all of our friends in the chat. Get some more people in as well. My friend Matt's going to be joining the ranks of our co-hosting shows as well. And some other people here and there. My friend John as well. We're going to be doing a recap of the Doctor Who episode that Maisie Williams is on. I can announce that right now. My friend John and I will be doing a review of that episode. I've never in my life watched an episode of Doctor Who, that will be the very first episode I watch. And someone else mentioned it earlier. We'll be doing some more Star Trek stuff soon. Joe is currently on a rewatch of Deep Space Nine, and Deep Space Nine is my favorite show. And I've been wanting to do some more content on why that's the best Star Trek series. So, And I know a couple of our viewers are big Deep Space Nine fans as well. Kaylana, I believe, and I know our good friend Tim is also a huge Deep Space Nine fan. So look forward to that silliness coming up. I made a Garrick video years ago, and uh, it got taken down from Facebook because I used clips from the movie. And uh, it's on my Facebook now. Mm-hmm. If anyone is friends with me, you can see it under videos. You did not get back at the end. We're not quite to the end. We're at the middle point right now. I was just doing some uh, – I was actually pausing while I caught up on my notes and scrolling up, so I was doing some pub shit. I thought lo- you ever like you're looking at a document and you accidentally scroll to the wrong place and you're like lost in the document. I was scrolling to get to the, get to the right place. I like being honest to you guys. And I needed to stall for time, so I went on a little uh, pub fest right there. Wow, well, I agree with you on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I believe Kalan is also a huge uh, 50 cent Bongo riff on Game of Thrones. Nice. Get, and uh, and yeah, I, I think we have a bunch of uh, get, uh, Deep Space Nine fans in the room. Here we go. Sorry that sucked cuz I wasn't standing up straight behind the bongos. I'm like slipping and falling. I fucked it up at the end. We'll get you one more at the end. Sorry guys. Yes, Deep Space 9 is coming. Lots of Deep Space 9 reviews are happening. It's fucking happening, goddamn it, motherfucker. I can't not talk about Star Trek anymore. It's ripping me up inside. So yeah, Joe and I are going to be do a bunch of uh, Star Trek-oriented stuff, and I'm going to do some Star Trek stuff on my, on my own as well. So look forward to that in the future, guys. Okay, so Tyrion and Braun are walking through the hill tribes as we'll continue. Will you shut up? They're all around us. And Tyrion, who... Oh, my God. Tyrion is just unbelievably funny. He's the fucking best. Will you shut up? And Tyrion's like, if I'm going to die, my might as well be with a song in my heart. And Braun's like, I should just take your food and leave you... And, and uh, leave you right here. And what else would you do? Uh, what would you do then? And Tyrion, who can answer everything, starve most likely. <laughs> you don't think I would do it, do you? Says Braun. What do you want, Braun? Gold? Women? <laughs> I, love this, I love this line so much. I love Tyrion in these moments so much coming up here. What do you want, Braun? Gold? Women? Golden women? Stick with me and you'll have them all for as long as I'm around and not a moment longer. But you knew that. That is why you took up arms to defend my honor. He says, Fair enough, but don't look for me to bend at the knee, my lord, every time you take a shit. I'm not your toady and I'm not your friend. Though I would treasure your friendship, I'm mainly interested in your facility with murder. And if the day ever comes where you're tempted to sell me out, remember this whatever their price is, I'll beat it. I like living. Just the way he says it, his whole vibe in this scene is, not that I didn't before, but I remember the first time I'm watching this, this is the moment where I'm like, Tyrion is my favorite character on television right now. He's fucking incredible. Just his whole vibe in this moment. And one of those things that, again, we we talk a little bit about book versus show comparison here. Braun is not... He's important in the books. He's just not as memorable to me in the books, and not, and I just don't love him as much. And part of it is just the chemistry that Peter Dinklage and, ugh, I'm blanking on his name, and the actor that plays Braun right now. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jerome Flynn is it? Jerome Flynn. Uh, have such great chemistry together, and it really starts to develop. This is where this is our first time to the party, you know, the first time to the Tyrion Braun party, and it, it's a great time at that party, and I, I just love it so much. And they just have such a great back and forth; it's it's hilariously awesome. <laughs> I am wearing pants. Yep, I'm wearing pants. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might not be Ninja Turtle pajama pants. It's true. <laughs> It is uh, it has finally been disclosed what I what I wear here under the table. I believe Katie's hand was in the last podcast. You could see her shoulder maybe. <laughs> oh my, oh my. Okay. Blackout. Uh, okay. I'm I have officially given up on Joe for this show, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It does not look like Joe will be joining us unfortunately. I feel like the Braun Tyrion chemistry is so much better than the show. Agreed. And it's not that. I think without, again, getting too blatantly spoilery, I think what eventually happens, you believe it more in the books because you just never for a second doubt. Ron and Tyrion's relationship on the show. They just have such great chemistry that it feels like they're so close and it feels like they have this, this great balance of like fitting into that perfect, perfect symphony of a relationship. Just people, some people might not know what I'm talking about, but I'll give, I'll give a couple of references of this. It's like in Deep Space Nine when you have Quark and Odo interacting in the just marvelous balance the two of them have back and forth. Some could say, if you're for other Star Trek, Bones and Spock, Spock and McCoy, uh, just two characters that just immediately have so much chemis- chemistry, it lifts up the performance. And both of them are awesome performers as is. So it just makes... Everything Tyrion and Bronn, so tasty. And to me, this is the almost beginning part of it. Yes, Jerome Flynn plays braun. Yes, I got it correctly. Thank you, Lady Squee. I did it. I'm correct. <laughs> I love when I get one right. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Fran is coming at eight. Okay, thank you. Thank you for telling me Fran is coming. Someone was just warning me that someone else is coming to the house. I can imagine how uh, how some people might feel like when they come here and, and they like hear like this isn't usually I do the podcast like post ten o'clock and I'm doing it different times of the day. I'm having to explain to people. Well, I can't really go out right now. I'm doing a podcast <laughs> or someone's coming to the house. Shh, shh, be quiet as you come into the house. Phil's screaming to himself and a microphone t- <laughs> to a bunch of people to all of his friends. <laughs> it's really nice to talk to you guys. It's nice to have friends. So, so as we see Tyrion uh, smiling, he just this cocky look of uh, that he does. So they're walking, and then we hear Bron. One of the only times I think Bron ever calls Tyrion Tyrion. He goes Tyrion, Tyrion, Tyrion. He says it three times as the hill tribe starts to approach. Bron kind of gets in a defensive stance, but Tyrion decides, "Oh, okay. Uh, come here, share our fire, help yourself to our goat." And uh, one of the guys shows up and says, When you meet your gods, tell him Shaga, son of Dolph of the Stone Crows, Sancha. And he goes, I'm Tyrion, son of Tywin, clan, son, of, son of Tywin of Clan Lannister. Great to meet you. How would you like to die, Tyrion, son of Tywin? <laughs> Maybe the best Peter Dinklage line ever, and one of the most quotable lines from Game of Thrones ever created. Number one on my list of, uh, of uh, quotes from Game of Thrones right now, in this moment. In my own bed. How would you like to die? In my own bed at the age of 80 with a belly full of wine and a girl's mouth around my cock. Slow clap. <laughs> yes! Tyrion Lannister, you are fucking awesome. And just in case you're wondering, that, that line was in the book. That was written pretty much the same way in the book, if you care about that sort of stuff. It, it's just such a great line, and you see so much of why George R. R. Martin said he wouldn't have wanted to do a TV show if he couldn't have got Peter Dinklage to play Tyrion Lannister. Like, he is the person that should play Tyr- Tyrion Lannister. It's like, ah, like sword in the stone, like he picked it up, that line, just the way he says it. It's, it leads to later times when we're going to get lines like cock merchant, and it just, <laughs> you have a hot of a dwarf's cock in your fucking ear. You know? Or he's just, no one can be so smugly drunk and charming as as uh, Tyrion Lannister. And, he, and Peter Dinklage pulls it off. I repeat myself a lot saying this, but I think it's important. It's one of the things that makes Game of Thrones so great is that it's one of the, for the main characters and some of the strong po- points, it's one of the best casted shows ever. And the characters, except for when they decide to, change actors and stuff. And I don't think it's perfect in every case, but I think in some of the main important cases, like with uh, Tyrion, with Arya, those two specifically thinking, but with Jon ultimately, uh, with with Ned, with Robert Baratheon, like with just so many people, they just found these ulti- With Littlefinger. Or, I mean, some could argue the Littlefinger thing. I've heard that argument before that he's not perfect. I was going to say Varys, but it came out as Littlefinger. But... We- Littlefinger is one of the ones I know people could probably argue, same with Daenerys, same with a couple of other ones. Sophia Turner, the way she plays Sansa and frustrates me to hell, but because the character of Sansa is frustrating as hell. She embodies her. And I think those elements are, that's part of not just the story. And then as we get further down the line, the story strays and we get more of Dan and Dave's story and less of everything George wanted us to tell. It's the actors that hold us on to it. And even the people that are like, oh, I'm not too into whatever. It's these performances and these characters. And as we go on, we haven't met them yet in this watch through, but people like Ramsay Snow, how they ca- cast Roos, like all, at Tywin Lannister, just these perfect people that you just, it's just, they hit home runs. And the casting department deserves a bear. Like, I want to buy them a bear. <laughs> I'm a Ke- oh, here we go. I'm a uh, I was the same way about the book Oberon Show versus Oberon. With show show was so much better. Kaylana says I'm a Kira Odo whore in an Odo quark. Just awesome. Garrick just everything is great about him. Phil the psycho host online. Ladies' grease says Tyrion handling the clan is wonderful. I didn't know how he was going he was gonna do and get out of that. Yeah, Kaylana. Tyrion drop the fucking mic. Absolutely. What the fuck was that? Oh, oh, whoa, okay. Someone's home. Hi, home. You want to come in and be a part of the podcast? Okay, yo, you're watching Survivor. Okay, okay, then don't come in. We, we don't. The Issues lady is in the other room, and she's uh, watching Survivor, so you stay in there. You stay in the room, and you watch that Survivor, and, and I'm sorry that your favorite character in the world doesn't go home. <laughs> Because cough, cough, sand snakes, absolutely, ladies. Kayla, I've seen photos of Dinklage just walking around from sneaky celebrity photos, and he had an attitude of that in real life. Yeah, a badass motherfucker. He doesn't see spitting gum in his wife's mouth and all that sort of shit. Hot. Oh my god. But yes, I'm actually like. I'm a huge, not to get too far to Deep Space Nine, I'm a huge Garrick fan. He's probably one of my favorite television characters of all time. I love everything Quark as well. Uh, And Odo, I find their relationship intensely compelling. And in fact, the first video that's going to be about Deep Space Nine is going to be about me talking about Odo and Quark's relationship. Anyways, back to uh, Game of Thrones here. So when you meet your gods, tell them Shagga, son of Dolphs, and the Stone Crow sent you. I'm Tyrion, son of House Lannister, blah, blah, blah in my own bed at the age of 80 with a belly full of wine and a girl's mouth around my cock. Who, come on, who doesn't? Take the half man, he can dance for the children, kill the other one as Braun draws his sword. Tyrion steps up and protects Braun. No, 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 my horse, my house is my horse. My house is rich and powerful. If you see me through the mountains, my father will shower you with gold. They say we have no hope, we have no use for the half man's promises. Excuse me. A half-man, maybe, but at least I have the courage to face my enemies. Mm -hmm. This was one of those moments where I wasn't sure about Tyrion's tactic here, about making them angry. I think he got a little ahead of himself in the equation here. (coughs) He says, "Uh, what do the stone crows do? Hide behind rocks and shiver when the Knights of the Vale ride by? I think he was doing it to try to pump them up for what he eventually says here, but I think he made a rare miscalculation here. And those are the best weapons you can steal, good enough for killing sheep if the sheep don't fight back. Lannister Smith's shit better steal as you give him a little slice and give him a scar in the face. Gives him a little a message to remember him by. And uh, he goes, Shaga says, you think you can uh, win us over with your trinkets? And Tyrion gives him a ring. He says, this trinket's worth more than everything your tribes own. But with your help, Shagga, son of Dolph, I will not give you trinkets. I will give you this. What is this? The Vale of the Aaron. The Lords of the Vale have spat upon the Hills Tribes for years. The Lords of the Vale want me dead? I believe it's time for new Lords of the Vale. And I wrote in my notes, charm, baby, charm. No one, no one in all the Seven Kingdoms, in all of Essos, is more charming than Tyr- Tyrion Lannister. He just can charm anybody. We've seen him charm cock merchants. We've seen him char- charm hill tribes. We've seen him charm any- anybody that isn't related to him. Name Jamie. He can charm. Oh yes. Oh, we have another one. I love how I love the Deep Space Nine fans coming out of the woodwork, and it's funny that we all found each other. You're <laughs> like the fourth or fifth. Of the people that are of our little group here, that's a Deep Space Nine fan too. That's like mentioned the uh mentioned the thing in the back. Like, are you going to talk about Deep Space Nine, or just have this giant fucking poster in the back and never actually talk about the show? <laughs> so okay, so we go to this next scene, which is. <sighs> I mean, what does John expect? Thorne said some horrible shit to him already. Did did he really expect? Thorne to be a nice guy here. John's eating and Thorne comes in and uh, who hates Ned already because Ned was fighting against him in the war because uh, Thorne was on side on uh, Team Targaryen. Has a history with him. He goes, ah, oh, that's a rare sight. Not only a bastard, but a traitor's bastard. As, as John draws his knife and he's gonna kill him, uh, and the boys hold him back and they put him down. You'll hang for this bastard. And Mormont comes over and says, I told you not to do anything stupid. You're confined to quarters. My guess, my question here is, I say yes. Would John really have killed him there? And from what we know of Thorne, young Buck John, right there, could he have taken Thorne, or would Thorne have like been ready for him, thrown him on the ground, and killed him right there? Uh, how would that have ended if Pip and Gran and Sam didn't grab him there? Would John have cut his fucking throat, just just dived across that table and stabbed Thorne right in the right in the chest or right in the neck? Or would, or would Thorn have been able to take him down? I, I tend to think at this point, John Thorn would probably be able to out like back up a little, like back up and go smack and like hit, boot him right in the back of the head or something. Farquaad says I'm more of an Enterprise fan, and uh, I will talk about Enterprise. <laughs> we'll have a Star Trek podcast. I don't want to. I don't want to fill this with too much Star Trek because because I tend to go and rants as is. If I if I end up talking Star Trek, I'm going to uh <laughs> we'll be we'll be here for a, we'll be here for a lot longer. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, did someone is no, is that no you don't want to join me on the podcast? Is that what that no is? <laughs> so, John put it down anyways. So, we, uh, John ends up getting confined to quarters. So then we go into later that night and, okay. We talked about this last time. It pissed me off last time. But then I was listening to a commentary by George R. R. Martin. He explained it. So at least I know they're aware of it. But again, it's one of those things that was changed because of television. And it's starting this process of little things that you don't think are little. You think are little, but whatever. Ghost is here. And we hear ghost barking up a storm. Yes, again, this was even more obvious than the last episode. He's just barking up a storm. George R. R. Martin has said that they tried it being silent, but it didn't work as well visually on screen. Like it like it messed with it a little bit. And they didn't like visually how it looked. That pisses me off that they like I know I shouldn't be pissed off by that. And it's no big deal, as George R. R. Martin said in a weird way, he's like, Yeah, you know, it's no big deal. That ghost doesn't that ghost talks now, just didn't work on film. And I get that. I don't know why it pisses me off a little bit as I'm going to play the mongo while I let my cat out. Go, cat. Go. Exit the facility, cat. You're a good cat. And I'm back. Sorry about that, guys. So, so, so anyways, so ghost barks, but we're not going to, we're trying not to let that, we're trying not to let that bother us. Uh, Kaylana says int- uh, John could easily take or Enchantment says John could easily take down th- Thorn even at this stage Kaylana says um, people with taste for good quality shows have been fans of similar shows uh, some I just don't have the time to, or interest to watch but believe are good from comments and reviews of a respected sources I feel the same way there's certain shows that enough people have told me are awesome that even if I haven't seen it I know that they're good uh, there's many shows like that I agree with that and, and Lady, Lady Squee First, I mean, I don't know if you're if you're a sci-fi fan or if you're a Star Trek fan at all. if you are then I would highly recommend that series Other than that, uh, it's hard for me to recommend it not knowing whether you would like Star Trek or not. That being said it's probably to me one of the if you didn't have a show like Deep Space Nine you wouldn't have TV wouldn't be where it is today. And that's a bigger issue of the fact that we're in such a type of programming where these TV shows are like books with chapters and chapters and everything goes on and they're long arcing storylines. Around the time that Deep Space Nine came out, all the shows where everything gets wrapped up in an hour, very rarely does a storyline carry through. Deep Space Nine was really influential. There are a couple of other shows at the time that were influential in it as well. Uh, St. Elsewhere is another example of a show that was like that, that was kind of bridging that gap. But to me, that was the first show I was into, like a binge-watching type show, where I just watched every single episode. And I just couldn't wait to finish the arcing storyline. Whereas I consider some other Star Trek series uh, very much like the love boat and everything ends in an hour. So, anyways. Uh, (laughs) So, okay. Hey, a cat has to do stuff and things. Meow. (laughs) So, Ghost is barking again, but it's not that big of a deal. So John walks out as the music changes and starts to get very creepy as Ghost leads him uh, to Mormont's office. No wolf dream, just for the record, whatever. So the commander says, uh, hello, who's there? Hello, commander, are you here? Snow says, a uh, commander. As they make eye contact and they look and they see, and a Walker, not a Walker, a, uh, a Walker, <laughs> a white is in there and grabs John. John starts stabbing it a bunch of times and, it just goes down, gets back up, pulls the knife out, starts to walk the sword out, starts to walk, come at him. And John kind of grabs the fire in his hand and throws it at him. And the books, Ghost does a lot more in this scene. But whatever. John burns him down, and, uh, and the both of them just look at each other like, what the hell just happened? Exactly, Enchantment in Eternity. 100%. Lady Squeezes, says, I watch Stargate a lot. I've heard a lot of praise of Deep Space Nine, so I might steal my sister's Netflix and try it out. I would recommend it. The only thing I can say, and just, just a warning, like a lot of shows like that, the first couple of seasons are slow because it's a lot of world building. The show really starts going in season three. And I'd say that about a lot of Star Trek. Star Trek Next Generation is the same way. The first couple of seasons are a little slow moving. You've got to get through a couple of clunkers, but it pays off in seasons four, five, six, and seven. Big time. Big time. These scenes are, is wonderful. Too dark when I first saw it, but dang, I love it in the book too. Me too. I love this whole situation in the book. I think I like, this is one of those situations where I do like a little bit more in the book because we deal with John and his dream. Uh, there's a little bit more to it. I've uh, I j- just watching this watch, I started thinking, where's the other dude too? You know, it's only one guy. Wasn't there another guy too? Another dead body. Shouldn't there be two whites? I- Anyways, it was, but it's still an amazing scene, very dark, but I love the look on Mormont's face. I love Jon and Mormont's reaction, looking at each other back and forth. Great performances by the actors, great setup. I love anything ghost, and I like that this is a big Direwolf episode just in general. We get a couple of big scenes with the Direwolves, something that I think is sorely missing in the more recent seasons of Game of Thrones. So uh, so we cut to the—and I'm going to yada yada this scene a little bit. So we cut to the Dothraki horde raping and pillaging, yada yada yada, the Lazarene, killing and selling people for the goods of gold. Um, and I guess at the same time that this that Carl Drogo's horde is there, there's another complete horde raiding the same area. And uh, Daenerys asks Jor, I thought Dothraki don't believe in money. And uh, the goal is to hire ships, princess, to sail to Westeros, because the last time we held them off, Drogo was going on that big, long speech about how, because they tried to kill his unborn baby, that he's going to cross the Narrow Sea and go do some ass-kicking and raping in Westeros. So we see some women being raped by Dothraki, and Daenerys is not dealing with this, and she says, uh, Jorah, make them stop. Like, Jorah can go over there and make them stop. And uh, you heard me. And uh, these men have shed blood for their Kyle. They now... Claim their rewards. And her blood rider just also says it's just the way things are. It's always been this way. And uh Jorah says, Princess, you have a gentle heart, but this is how things have always been. She doesn't like that. I don't have a gentle heart, sir. I just don't like raping and slavery and shit. And she makes them stop. And she says, stop, or Drogo will hear this. So they break it up, and this one guy is really, really pissed about what's going on. And we see one of the women being saved from the rape is this woman, Mary Mazdor. So uh, what do you want done with them? Bring them to me. You can't claim them all, princess. And she says, I can and I will. So we cut over to Drogo, who's listening to this guy Mago talk shit about Khaleesi. And Drogo at first, he finds it all amusing, but he takes Mago's side at first and is like, listen, Khaleesi, my moon and my stars, my star- sun and my stars, this can't happen. This is the way things are. He's earned those women. He tries to argue with her, but she's just like, no, fuck that. I want these women, they're mine, I claim them, and they can't be touched. If you're a Dothraki, you want to bone them, they can marry them. That's what they can do. Other than that, they're mine, they're under my protection. And, and uh, he just Drogo loves this. Drogo is just loving every minute of this. He's like, look, listen, look, listen to listen, my son pushing her, saying no to me. That's my son inside making her do that. <laughs> and it's worth mentioning that this scene was added to the show, was, wasn't in the books. Drogo gets hurt in this scene, and he did get hurt in the books as well, but gets hurt in a different way, fighting another horde. He added this scene. This was a request by Jason Momoa to show, have a scene where he showed off how much of a badass Drogo is. He's, he felt like there was all this talk about how Drogo was the best fighter, but they never actually showed it. So when George R.R. Martin was writing this script, he asked for this scene to be added to it. And they did. Fire called. Stannis fewer schemers. Yeah, fewer, fewer. Uh, Wharf corresponding with the final ramping of the changeling and the new ship. I could live without him, even as a Klingon fan. But his integration finally got better. The only reason, uh, quickly on that, the only reason I love. I I agree with you to a certain extent. I feel like Worf was necessary to bring the Klingon element, and because of all the extra stuff we got on the show, because of Worf being there, and all the Klingon backstory and uh, culture, stuff that we never would have got on Next Generation with him, because in Next Generation, he's just the butt of a joke, or to sit there and talk about poetic bullshit that makes no sense. Because of the the nature of Deep Space Nine being a show that looked at different alien races, not just from the the narrow foundation of the Federation, it was really a necessary evil bringing him there so uh drogo tries to argue with her but she just plays it off (laughs) so he fights the guy dodges slashes uh the guy challenges him like an idiot it's like i can beat kyle drogo i'm tough no you're not tough you can't beat kyle drogo what's this guy thinking does this guy really think he can beat drogo in a fight or did he think he would fight his blood rider and that's why he started to fight and thinking he could put up a fight on there and then drogo would have to because the blood rider was fighting for him in the trial by combat so to speak but whatever so uh the guy drogo's like pissed off he's like listen bitch put your dick somewhere else and this guy's like fuck you and does the, the dothraki spit thing Spit take. So Drogo talks some shit, leans into the blade, cuts himself because the script says he needs to be cut. Then he throws his knives on the ground, picks up the knives and stabs the guy, kills him, goes, you're already dead. Cuts his neck out, rips out his whole fucking throat and throws it in the pot next to him. Sits down in the chair and the the wound magically disappears. But (laughs) watch the mistakes video. And then Drogo sits there. Uh, Danny runs to him. Oh, my son and stars are hurt. Where are the healers? Healers aren't around conveniently. And uh, Mary Mazdor goes, I can heal because she speaks all the languages. And uh, she comes over and one of the Carl's blood riders just slaps the shit out of her, spits on her, calls her a witch. And eventually Daenerys guilt trips Drogo into letting this woman work on her and uh, take care so the wound won't. Fester. Uh, Kaylana says the Dothraki scenes, like in Star Trek, would have been more relatable if they had subtitles. That if then they could be translated for other languages. I agree with that, especially for me, considering how I get all the lines from the episode. I take the th- subtitles of uh, the Doth- from the episode, and then I put the that's put the words. You know, like that's part of my notes, and then I take that's how I, It's different from the Game of Thrones to when I do an episode live. <clears throat> on the old recaps, I actually take the whole script of the episode and then make notes. But how I get the script of the episode is I get a subtitle track, and I just paste the track on the page. So I don't know any of the Dothraki translations because it's not there. And while I'm watching the episode, I'm trying to take notes on the Dothraki stuff, but I was just sort of ignoring it. Anyways, so, so we go to Sleeping Puppy, Sleeping Grey Wind. <clears throat> to the bannermen of the north at a table. Great John Umber taking a shit at dinner. So for 30, men, 30 years, I've been making corpses of men, boy. I'm the man you want leading the vanguard. Rob says uh, Glover will lead the vanguard. again, there we go. Okay, so uh, sorry, I have to do that again. The bloody wall will melt before an Umber marches behind a Glover. Now, you're welcome to do so, Lord Umber, as Rob stands up and gets in his face. He says, and then when I'm done with the Lannisters... I'm going to march the fuck back down the north, root you out, out of your goddamn, goddamn house
1: and hang you for a motherfucking Oathbreaker.
0: <laughs> the great John stand up. It's an oath breaker, is it? I'm not sit here and swallow insults from a boy so green he pisses grass. This is another thing that gets sort of uh, soft soaked or quickly grazed over. How much people think of Rob as someone very, very green and all this shit talk it kind of gets fixed all in a moment in a scene here but in the books it's it's a bigger issue as gray wind get as rob and him are yelling back and forth gray wind does not like his master being challenged and gray wind basically gives rob his balls here and he just jumps up or doesn't give rob his balls gives rob his sword so to speak gives him his uh his threat for something bad to happen to all these old cows that would never normally follow a boy or would always have a problem with following a boy. Um, How do you think, uh, how did the weapon get poisoned to infect Drogo or was it the witch that healed him that infected him? Is Aquaman coming? Uh, Do you think that Drogo would have been fine if Mary Mazdor had not treated the wound? (sighs) This is where we get into show versus book. I don't know. Because it is worth probably, or if he had had the, or my biggest question with it all is, if the Dothraki, actual Dothraki healers had worked on him, would he have been okay? I don't think the 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 uh, the the blade was was poison. I don't think that was the issue. I do think that it got infected because of what she put on it. But I think I don't know if she poisoned him on purpose and actually put from cuz again I can only go by cuz the book gets into a little bit more detail about it in the sense whereas on the show as we'll fast forward to that it's a matter of I think the next time we see drogo he's like falling off his horse sorry to jump ahead a little bit but with this situation, you know, in the book, they talk about how, Dro- how she covers it and tells Drogo not to do X, Y, and Z and to make sure it stays covered and does this. And he just ignores her and kind of like rips it off and fucks with it. So, I mean, it could, be, it could be worth saying that as I stall for time to let the cat come back in now after his brief absence, I think Drogo had a lot to do with fucking it up himself. When it really comes down to it, I don't think he listened to her because he didn't respect her methods. Whether it was a plan from the very beginning of her to poison him and then to have what happened happened it can be debated, and I don't know. I, I'm on the fence about this one, about what I really believe. In the books, I think it's more clear that she does what she can, but then she doesn't really give a fuck when it comes down to it. On the show, it seems more like they come straight out and say that Mary Mazdor poisoned him and fucked with him, and it probably wouldn't have been as big of a problem. Ren Renwood said, yep, Drogo didn't follow her instructions. She did. I don't, uh, Lady Squee says, I don't know how she spoke later on It made it seem like she did it on purpose. It's complicated, exactly. I don't know if it's, and it could be one of those things that She did it knowing he would fuck with it because he's an animal in her mind, and that he's no way he could, and he has an ego, so there's no way he would do the steps he needs to do, to to actually heal it. So she kind of set him up on the path to fuck him over. Also, if you haven't checked it out already, please check out Preston Jacobs in some of his theory videos, which some of you might think are kooky. But he has a couple of interesting theories about Mary Ma's door, where she's from, and what her real agenda might be that I think is very interesting. So if you haven't checked out any Preston Jacobs stuff, please check out Preston Jacobs. He does very, very good work for for theories and speculations and crazy tinfoil stuff. That sub-stuff you're like, "Chris is crazy, but it helps you— makes you look at things in a different way sometimes. So I got to give, give full credit to him with some of the Mary's Ma, Ma's door stuff that she comes from a shy, she knows all the languages. It's a lot of hinky stuff with this woman. So who knows what really is the case in this situation? So, uh, so great. So my Lord's taught me, uh, so where are. Okay. So great John gets attacked by the, uh, by gray wind who bites off one of his couple of his fingers, or one of his fingers. And, uh, Rob jumps in and goes, my Lord Father taught me it was, a great, it was death to bear steel against your liege lord, but no doubtless the Great John only meant to cut my meat. And Great John looks around, does like a once-over, thinks about his reaction to all of this and says, gains a little bit of respect for the, for, uh, for the power that this kid wields, so to speak, and for giving him a shot here and kind of voicing this and not just killing him. And says, uh, you know, your, and your meat is bloody tough. And everyone laughs except for brand again this is a book thing you're inside brand's head in this scene so you brand's like i don't get what the fuck's going on and they do a good job in the show i do like a quick shot of brand where he's just like what is going on here <laughs> so off to rob checking in on brand and saying goodbye to him and he says uh what is all this what's going on here buddy well it's uh What's up, buddy? What's the case? And uh, Brin like, goes, "Wake up, motherfucker! Wake up!" No, I'm ho. By the way, for, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm try- trying to uh, again, trying to find. Uh, i sorry, I gave up on Joe again. I uh, I tried to, I just tried to check on Joe again. It's not happening. <laughs> Joe being for Joe will actually make it in here for like the last second. It'll be like, yes, and I love this episode. So we go off to – so Bran is sleeping, and Rob is like, you mean it's bloody tough. It's, sorry, Enchantment. Your meat is bloody tough. It's one of the best lines of the show. I agree. Spoilers. Have you seen the theory that Mazdoor's monologue at the end was actually a prophecy, not a smart-ass answer? I have seen that. Uh, Kaylana, the way the show had me – had her later speak so angry and resentful – revenge and revengeful to Danny made it seem like she hated Dothraki no matter uh Danny saving her and I agree the show makes it seem like it was all a plan like she made this plan she wanted to take down this Dothraki on the strongest Dothraki horde so he wouldn't rape anybody wanted to kill the babe sorry whatever wanted to kill like with everything like this it makes it seem like that's the case you talk for two hours, I can't, can't keep my mouth shut. For like, you can only protect current spoilers so long. This is fucking 2011 here. If you haven't watched it, and you've watched this far into the podcast and heard this, I'm so sorry. But, but I, so the show makes it seem like it's her plan from, stu- from go. The book is a little bit more vague, so it's complicated. So I, we're talking about the show here. So in the show world, I'm going to go by that this was all a plan. Not a plan. An opportunity. She took advantage of an opportunity. <laughs> Eats every damn chicken. <laughs> that is one of the best lines, Farcloud. Off to Rob coming in on Bran. So what is this? What happened? Uh, where are you going? You're going south. The Lancers have spies everywhere. They have an interesting talk where, where Bran is trying to get him to come with him. He's like, I can come with you. The Lannister soldiers have more soldiers than you. I can protect you. I can ride now. I'm Okay. Rob acts very much like a father to him in the scene, very protective, very, very friendly, very comforting. In the books, he acts a little different. He acts a little bit more scared, and Bran, Bran almost acts like the parent in the situation. But, <coughs> um, but in the books, but in the show, they, they have Rob, because Rob's older on the show, they have him be a little bit more competent, a little bit more taking over the mantle and showing, showing how he's in control to a certain extent and understanding what's going on. So we go to the Godswood, and, oh, I forgot, sorry, I forgot something. So after Rob leaves, we see Rickon in the dark and, and Bran goes to how long have you been hiding there? Rob will be looking for you to say goodbye. And Rickon says they've, they've all gone. Rob says they'll be back soon. And Rickon says, no, they won't. Come on, Rickon, don't be so depressed. Don't be so down. Everyone's going to be back soon. Excuse me. So we go to the Godswood and Bran's play, praying, and we get a great visual shot of Osha walking towards him. And uh, Bran's praying, saying, "Please pray, please watch over Rob and watch over all the other men of Winterfell and Theon too, I suppose." And she gets in this whole thing where she talks about the old gods listen to me too, the wildlings pray the old gods. Your brother's going in the wrong direction. There are no whereward south, south of here or south of the Reach. If it, I forget what she says. There's no rare uh, words in the, in the south, which I don't know if is exactly true, but whatever. And, uh, and they get into this whole thing back and forth where she tells him, starts talking about the real dangers up north, that your brother's marching in the wrong direction. Then Hodor shows up, and uh, it's, it's really fun. We get, to, we get some Hodor fun. And uh, what does Hodor have to say? Hodor. That's what What do you say, Hodor? Hodel. What? Hodel. No. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, do we have a phone call? Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Joe Dirtylocks. How's it going, Joe?
1: Uh, it goes well. How you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. We, we decided uh, that you guys can do your full recap or full thoughts of this episode at the beginning of episode nine, since we had some trouble connecting with you.
1: Yeah, sorry everybody. I, I couldn't get my computer working. I had a late doctor's appointment. Wasn't able to get on in time.
0: It's okay, Joe. You don't have to worry about it. We, yes, we've been ha- we've been having a fun time. We miss you, but we've been having a fun time.
1: And so, we're you on now.
0: Okay. We are at we're towards the end and we are at uh, where we're Rob, we're had just War, or said the every no one's coming home, and now we're at the God's <laughs> room. <Rick and who? laughs> Katie said,
1: "Rick and who? R- who's this Rick and who? You speak
0: of? I heard some crows in the background right there. Uh, uh, yeah, Rick is Rick and a Greensider, if you will ask. Uh, I think we're at the part where uh, where uh, Bran is in the uh, God's wood praying, and Osha's is telling him that the gods are. Uh, that will not watch over Rob because he is—he's uh, going too far south. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah and yeah, We see Hodor's. Pe- I believe we see Hodor's penis in here. Do we see Hodor's penis? No, she does. We don't. We don't. We don't get to see it. We only see Hodor's. Yeah, he's butt. getting out of. He gets out of the mud, and she's like, "Oh my god,
1: it's a tree trunk."
0: <laughs> we were joking that you were gonna pop in right at the end here, and we we get you. The chat room forgives you, you bastard. Same bastard. Rickon, I know, nice to in the back of the head. Rickon is Game of Thrones, I see dead people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so so uh, she basically says, uh, I'm a slave. She, make, she makes jokes for a slave. Uh, beyond the wall, there are only gods. Even slaves are allowed to pray. Bran says, you're not a slave. And she kind of does this little smile, shack, ring of the shackle of her legs. It's interesting to mention that, yes, this episode was written by George R.R. Martin, George R. R. Martin said that there's only one character in the history of the show so far that's made him want to write more stuff for her, so he can have her do st- more stuff on the show, and that is Osha. Osha. He really loves the way this character is portraying. She says he says she's the, one of the only things that he feels was done better on the in the show than the books, <laughs> from his point yeah. of view. He feels like she's better on the show. Yeah,
1: she's really good on the show. She really is. I think she might be one of the best characters on the show.
0: Lady Squeezes. It's- Lady Squee says, yes, it is a Hodor's penis. We do see Hodor's penis. Maybe you were closing your eyes, Joe. Or it looks so small because Hodor's...
1: traumatized.
0: (laughs) It just looks small because Hodor's so big.
1: It looks so small because of what I'm used to dealing with. It's very,
0: very true, my friend, very true. <laughs> so <laughs> you're used to dealing with a lot bigger dick than that. We, we, hang, out, <laughs> we hang out all the time and, uh, and play sword fight. So, well, your, your friend uh, didn't put a uh, knife to, well, Bran says, well, your friend did put a knife to my throat. And she goes, I'm not complaining, little lord, just telling truths. What do you mean about hearing the gods? You asked, and they're answering you. Open your ears. Bran says it's only the wind. What do you think sends the wind, if not the gods? You see, boy? You, they hear you, boy. And, okay, this is another thing that's worth mentioning. They, they get into the fact that Bran dreams on the show, but that's another thing. Just dreams in general aren't as important in the show as they are in the books. In the books, she's feeding into a lot of what Bran is having paranoid dreams about and she's feeding into a lot of, which some could say would be, uh, I don't want to jump ahead. Someone seems to be calling ahead, to calling out to Bran, it seems.
1: Yeah. I think they, they really downplayed these dreams, actually, in the show as opposed to the books.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. We Quite a bit. S- Kaylana says, we get to see Hodor Schlong for sure, and Lady Squeeze says she spat out her tea when she saw that Schlong. <laughs>
1: I have to I definitely have to watch again. I don't remember seeing his actual song.
0: Yep, no, we see it. I, I was pretty sure we see Hodor Penis. And that's important. I'm glad we got you here for the important part.
1: <laughs> it is, you know. If I was gonna chime in on any part, it would be on the private part.
0: The private part. Okay, quickly before we go any further, Joe, do you think Serial is alive or dead?
1: Um I had always thought he was dead. But over the last off season and through the last season, I think I changed my mind to that whole, you know, if we don't see them die, they're not dead. And when i have re- over the rewatch and watching what happens, they don't show them die. She runs off. She hears them fighting. She pauses and looks back and then keeps going. And we don't ever see Cereal Pharrell again. So...
0: Uh I think he's alive. You think he's alive. Okay. And I'm just trying to think of what other like quick quick highlights from the episode that we already talked about. Tyrion uh wants to die with a, you know, 80-year-old with wine in his mouth and mouth uh woman's mouth on his clock. Could you could you think of a better way to die?
1: <laughs> um yeah, many. Many better ways to die. <laughs> Never. Like just the- it's just about anybody else's mouth on my cock than a
0: lion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, she, he said a woman's mouth on his cock, not a lion. Who? What, Who? Tyrion's line about how, how he wants to die, and he says, uh, I want to die at 80 years old in a big bed with, uh, with wine in my hand and a woman's mouth on my cock.
1: Oh, right. No, yeah, that's about the best way to go. <laughs> okay. Just about
0: <laughs> uh, Etern- uh, Enchantment of Eternity, which sounds like a magic card, says "Rave of Thrones" came to my city two days ago, and I just found out about it yesterday, and I missed it. That sucked. Was Hodor spinning at the Rave of Thrones? Joe and I went to a party Ooh. last year where we saw Hodor spinning. There's uh, there's some video yeah. of, of that somewhere. Pretty good. Yeah, no, he's pretty good. He's good. He's good at he, if you're into house music, he does a very good job at spinning it. If that if you're yeah. into it. So uh she go he says, uh Brand says to him, Go back and find your clothes, Hodor. Go dress. And Hodor goes and dress. He goes, Are there really giants Hodor, Hodor, Hodor? And are there really giants beyond the wall, giants and worse than giants, as the music starts to get dark and changes tone and it gets more serious. I tried telling your brother, he's marching the wrong way. All these swords, they should be going north, boy. North, not south. (laughs) <laughs> and I think it's interesting, too, that much like the Dominion, the way that the whole Walker thing gets introduced into the series is very, su- like, slowly but surely. Walker the Walker thing. I'm sorry. Not Walker thing. Whites and White Walker thing. Gets introduced so slow. We see it in that very first scene in the episode. Uh, a very first scene in episode one. And then we get to mm-hmm. this
1: nothing but mentions again until
0: until here where we see some whites actually being alive and being through it's it's just really cool how they slowly but surely do that and to jump in our time machine and go to the future to how it's now turning out uh centrally becoming more part of the plot and they're they've sort of i I like how little it's been there but always been there similar again sorry i can't look at you so i don't know when you're gonna start talking
1: Uh, sorry I was going to say it's, it's really good the way they did it because they managed to take a fantasy <laughs> novel and turn it into what basically is like a medieval story mm-hmm. that leaves the fantasy almost out of it for most of every season with small bits like the opening scene with the whites and then the what we'll see in the last in the last scene of the season. And then like one or two other things sprinkled in here or there. Like when John has to deal with the guy up at the wall, right? uh, the white at the wall, like little things, quick scenes. I think there's maybe about 15 minutes of actual like fantastic, like fantasy fantastic stuff, and the rest is very just real life Right for a Middle Ages time period. I really like the way that that was balanced in the books. I really like the way that that's balanced on the television. So you're not necessarily watching a fantasy, although you are absolutely watching a fantasy.
0: Absolutely, uh, and that's why I think a lot of people that don't like fantasy like Game of Thrones, and yes. and because they like the political intrigue and all the quote unquote historical references to the war or comparisons to the War of Roses and all that sort of stuff. People right. get people get way into it from that level. Uh, kaylana says some posted it was a fake prosthetic, not really christian Kirsten, uh, Kirsten how do you pronounce his name Kristen the actor's penis front from, uh front naked, but I bet he 's getting extra laid from the show doing those raves. I bet he is too yeah. and uh getting some correction about the white walkers so we cut to the men in the fire and Sam talking uh those those guys talking about the two guys, even though again this is worth mentioning. In the scene, we only saw one, but they're burning both, and and uh, Sam says they were touched by the White Walkers. So uh, it was interesting that whoever reanimated those chose to only reanimate one of them. They were touched by the White Walkers. That's why they came back. That's why their eyes turned blue. Only fire will stop them. And John turns and says, how do you know that? And But John knew that. Like, how does Sam... Like, John knew that, and we... We talked about how everybody in the North knows that. We were talking about that earlier, not to mention John it's has... All,
1: it's part of all, like, the old Nan stories, all right. the lore, all that stuff.
0: We were speculating earlier whether John would have been allowed the benefit of old Nan stories, or Catelyn wouldn't even allow that, but old Nan comes with Ned, so Ned would make sure that John got old
1: Nan's stories as well. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Because here's the thing. Old Nan is, is also, like, she's the babysitter, so she doesn't want to watch Rob. Absolutely. Old man's watch Rob. So what else do the
0: books, so, so John asked him how he heard about that too, or how, and he said a very old book in Master Am- Eamon's library. What else do the books say, John asks? Uh, the White Walkers sleep beneath the ice for thousands of years, and when they wake up, Pip says, and when they wake up, Sam goes, I hope the wall is high enough as you look up. And the mm-hmm. wall's, wall's pretty high. It's pretty high. So, about 700 feet. Yeah, it's pretty fucking high. So, we go over to Moat Caitlin, where Caitlin, I'm sorry, I'm like the re- listening to the audiobooks. Caitlin has arrived. Uh, she left the area apparently. Where we don't actually get to see her leave, which again is a much longer process in the book of Caitlin actually leaving the area. And uh, she's, with, she's with Roderick, and they're heading towards where Rob's camps are. So we cut to the camp where, where they're talking about the River Lords are fighting back with Janie Lannister at their heels and Lord Tywin's bringing around the second Lannister army from the south. as the uh, And they just go back and forth until later Lady Catelyn shows up and Lady Catelyn tries her best not to embrace Rob right in the spot. They seem to have like, like she wants to just go to him and hug him, but she realizes she recognizes the situation he's in. And she gathers herself and asks everyone to leave. Uh, and, uh, Big John, Big John, Great John Umber clears the room. You heard her. Move your asses. Come on, you too, Greyjoy. Are you bloody deaf. Get the fuck out of here. And then we also hear, uh, "Don't worry, we'll with on an, an episode of amazing one-liners. We'll sh- we'll shove our swords up Tywin Lannister's bunghole, and then it's on to the Red Keep to save Ned. I believe them too. I think Ned might be. I did them. too. Yeah, I did too. I totally did too. So we're here, you old devil, and we hear uh, uh, Great John and Roderick sort of embrace in the background of the scene. So then we see uh, Catelyn and Rob talking, and this is one of those I think this scene dictates perfectly who Catelyn Stark is. She combina- she she both builds Rob up, strikes him down, makes him feel like a child, makes him feel insecure. And then gives him very sage, tactical advice. <laughs> all in one. She does it all. She doesn't give him great advice. She gives him tactical advice about, you know, don't go to King's Landing. Of course, you'll be butchered. You know, like she's just she's not being an idiot, but she's also giving him, like, a guilt trip from hell. I'd send you home if I could. And really? Yep. Catelyn, this is your fucking fault, because you never should have left fucking Winterfell. Ned left you in charge.
1: Yep. And she shouldn't have. She accomplished absolutely nothing by leaving Winterfell. Nope, except um, except for starting a, a war. She messaged through Ned, but all she did was put him in precarious situations. Give Tywin Baelish some ammo. It got her tied up with all that fucking Tyrion bullshit, and then go into the Vale and all that. Like, this was nothing but disaster for her and her family by her leaving. Yep. She yeah. She basically accomplished the fall of Winterfell.
0: Exactly. She she exactly. She caused the start of the war. Because she kidnapped yep. Tyrion for, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, for no good reason. Because she was getting fucking played by Littlefinger the whole fucking time.
1: Yep. Whatever. Well, the, 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 we well, are definitely led to believe that. But I think we find out later who actually sends that assassin.
0: Right, but I just mean that the whole plan got in motion with uh, with John Aaron dying. I think they expected they weren't little fingers. Ah, uh, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that as time goes on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's so involved There's so many players. There's so much manipulation and, and uh, going on with all the different characters. that it's hard to say who actually – I mean, there's so many different – the assassin doesn't come if the boy doesn't fall. If the boy doesn't climb the tower, he doesn't get pushed out the window. Like so, was it Baelish killing Aaron? Was it Catelyn killing or, or Catelyn and Jamie throwing him out of a window? Was it was it uh, the little prince there sending the assassin on his own? But ultimately, it all boils down to if she had kept her ass at fucking Winterfell, there's a high chance that none of this shit would have happened. Yep. <laughs> so. <laughs> Mom, stay
0: with your kids. Yep. Don't leave your kids, Mom. <laughs> right. So, so, yeah. So, uh, basically, this scene amounts to them saying, if you, lose, if you ever lose a battle, your father dies, your sister dies, we die. Well, that's not going to happen. Well, that makes it simple. I'll just win. So we cut over to Tyrion and Braun in the mountain clans, sort of the Stone Crows, not just the Stone Crows, all the mountain clans. Somehow they all came together, Ty, approaching Tywin's camp. So Ty, Tyrion says, It might be best for Braun and I to continue alone here. Best for Tyrion, son of Tywin, not best for me, says Shagga. If the half man betrays us, Shagga, son of Dolph, will cut off his man, and Tyrion interrupts him. Yes, and feed it to the goats. I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. So we go off to the camp, and Tyrion marches his way into his dad's tent. Kevin seems almost happy to see him, and he goes, Fa- Tyrion and his uh, father, the rumors of your demise were unfounded. Sorry to uh, disappoint you, says, uh, says Tyrion. And then starts one of the funniest moments in the episode of t- playing the game of keep away, keep the wine away from Tyrion that's played, <laughs> played at, on the table, where Tyrion keeps trying to grab the glass of wine, and Tywin keeps moving away from the wine. Which again, yeah. another line from uh, George R. R. Martin about this episode. He goes, "I don't know how that happened, but I love it. It was never in the script. There was no director that said anything about that. So potentially that was just Charles dance and uh, and and uh, Peter.
1: It's a it's a very father son moment. Absolutely. A, you know, it's not just a father son moment, but it's a you know, you just got here, you're about to debrief, and. That's not a time to be drinking. There'll be time for that when you're done telling me what's going on. You know? I'm okay. I'm so it's, okay. A very, it's a very father-son moment. If that's really as organic as uh, as you're saying, I think that that just goes to show the level that these people are, are operating on. Yeah. These casting directors and producers pick such immense talent that if, even if they weren't working with the brilliant script that they're working with, they could elevate this program to better than most other TV.
0: I agree with you 100%. That's you're almost quoting me word for word is something I was saying earlier that the cast keeps you going. Even if the show is like stories were bad, which they're not, even if it were that the actors are still doing to do such great jobs with these
1: characters. Right. And that's kind of like the stuff that I was talking about in some of the previous recent podcasts that we've done too, is that, <clears throat> these little things that you like picking up that gun in Fear the Walking Dead that she didn't do. That's such a small thing that the actor could have actually done on her own and the director would have seen it and been like, that works. Of course, she would pick up that gun. But that actress didn't have the foresight to do it unless the director told her, no, 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 no. you can't have that gun. Leave it where it is, <laughs> which I would say the director's a fucking idiot. See- so either way, you don't have that quite like you do in Game of Thrones, where the directors didn't say to do this, George R. R. Martin didn't put it in the script, and the two actors took it upon themselves to to, to make Tyrion it- went to drink, and Tywin moved it away. Tyrion went to grab it again, and Tywin gave him another look and <laughs> moved it a little way up, and then at the end of the scene, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, Tyr- Tywin pours him a drink.
0: No, Tyrion gets the wine at the end, and no, it's a different scene where Tywin finally pours him a drink. At the end, he gets to the wine, and it's right when Shagrath when Tywin goes over and I fucks the stone, stone crows and says, and they, they're like, Tyrion has to come with us. And they turn back to Tyrion and he's like grabbing the wine. He's like, he's, he finally made it to it. He's like, Aw, shit. oh shit.
1: Yeah.
0: And so in this, scene, the scene basically goes and, uh, Tyrion and Tywin, Go back and forth about just cluing. It's almost a little bit of uh, backstory so to catch Tyrion up with what's going on. Tyrion doesn't know Robert Baratheon's dad, he finds that out in the scene. They talk about how, uh, how, how he's like, Thanks for getting yourself kidnapped. You know, Jamie wouldn't have submitted to that. Uh, and he goes uh and Tyrion has a great line where he says uh Jamie and I are much different. Uh what's what's the line? You're uh we've our differences. He's braver, I'm better looking. <laughs> and it just mm-hmm. it goes back and forth and they have thank you for going to war to me for me and they just go back and forth and eventually the scene's interrupted with a with a dude that comes in and ignores Tyrion. He just sits right in front of Tywin when he says Rob uh Rob Stark has uh, started moving his troops and uh Tywin shouts, "The wolf rush, rushes into the lion's jaw. So be it." And Kevin command the drummers, beat the assembly, and send word to Jaime, moving against Robb Stark. And they go. And then Tywin eye fucks the Mountain Clan men and decides to make them in the vanguard and be the first line of defense. And uh, Tyrion's forced to fight with them. So Tywin's like, "Win-win. My son gets killed, and I get some stuff, some tough Stone Crows on my side." So we, uh, we go to—you feed privates to the goats is a good funny running gag. Phil is choking. Don't die. I took the strangler poison, so I'm, I'll be okay. I, I, had an, I, had an <laughs> antid- I had an antidote around my neck. So uh, over to Rob's console, and they're arguing to the point of needing—basically talking about needing the phrase. This is our first talk of we need the phrase to cross the bridge. The late Walter Frey, because he arrived at the Battle of the Trident late to see who was the winner and then joined the winning side. We get a little bit of that. And uh, at the same time, this is interspliced with seeing a a man a Lannister spy that we find out being dragged through the camp. So he gets brought in. We get a funny line from Great John Umber that Theon covers the map, and he goes, Don't worry, that kid's not leaving here with his head. Rob walks over to him and goes, How high did you count when you were counting our men? And he goes, 20,000, everyone kind of looks around. And uh, Rob said, and someone's, I think it is, uh, it is one of his men, I forget who it is, but he says, Rob, you don't have to do this. Your father would understand. He goes, my father would understand mercy where there's room for it. And I understand honor and courage as he looks at the spy in a sense, and he goes, I'm going to let him go. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And his mother goes raw, but like to disagree with him, And he gives her the same look that Vito Corleone like,
1: gave. Shut the fuck up, woman.
0: That gave Sonny when he disagrees with him in the meeting with Salazzo at the beginning of Godfather one. And uh, he noticeably disagrees with him in front of, other people and it causes all kinds of problems and he just gives his mom the look like what the fuck shut up mom don't make me fucking kick you out of here and rob gets into his face and he goes listen tell lord Tywin, when is coming for him to find out if he really shits gold and he lets him go and excuse me everyone gets pissed do you think rob made a mistake letting, letting him go
1: no not at all he did it on purpose. It was counter espionage. Exactly. It was part of it. He was gonna bring back bring back information that was gonna be false information.
0: Absolutely. Uh Kaylana says, Frey River Bridge get his corporation. Dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> Okay, so we get to our final scene of the episode. And uh here we go. Uh Pizel is Kicking ass in this episode. This is a great Pyezel episode. He, he goes, "Of uh, his wish of his grace, that the royal servant Jano Slint, commander of the city watch, and as we follow Sansa in this scene as she walks, well, is, this,
1: in, is this the one that starts with him doing doing the little prostitute girl?
0: No, no. Oh, okay. This this is the end scene where he's in the uh, he's in the court. Joffrey's first time. Like we really see Joffrey commanding over his people. And right. uh, I grant you the grants." Uh, Grants Jano Slint the seat of Harren Hall and his sons and grandsons, whatever. And then the place of uh, traitor Eddard, Eddard Stark, it's the wish of. Uh, oh, I forgot one scene. We get a quick, quick, quick scene of Ned Stark in the dungeons again, falling asleep and then getting kicked. And then we cut over to the scene. It's like a quick <laughs> scene of just Ned getting kicked. So, so Tywin Lannister, Lord of Castle Rock, Warden of the West, will be appointed hand of the king. And lastly, in these times of treason and turmoil, in the view of the council, that the life and safety of King Joffrey is to be the utmost importance. So the Hound, uh, the Hound is about to replace somebody on the King's Guard. So they call Barriston sell me. You, Grace, I'm yours to command. And, S- and Cersei says, rise, Sir Barristan, you may remove your helm. You have served the realm long and faithfully. Every man and woman in the Seven Kingdoms owes you thanks. But it's your time to put aside your armor and your sword to rest. Oh, you fucking bitch. <laughs> Yeah, only death can reveal can our, our sacred trust. Whose death, Sir Barristan, yours or your king? To which Joffrey says the first thing we've actually heard Joffrey talk, where he goes, You let my father die. You're too old to protect anybody. Wow. Your Grace, the council has demurred that Sir Jamie Lannister will take your place as Lord Commander of the King's Guard. And Barristan loses his shit. He's like, The man who profaned his blade of the blood of the king has sworn to defend. Like, that he killed the Mad King and stabbed the Mad King in the back. You're making him the head of the King's Guard? That's fucking hypocritical. What the fuck? And Varys says, uh, this is where Varys interrupts and tries to sort of mi- mitigate the situation. We have nothing but gratitude for your long service, Sir Barristan. You'll be given a stout keep beside the sea with servants to look after you every need. And Barrison goes, a hall to haul the die in and men to bury me as he starts taking off the cloak, I'm a knight, I shall die a knight, who Littlefinger, who's wi- who's waiting for like some wise ass, or he says, a naked knight, apparently, to which everyone just laughs. And the whole place is like... Yeah. But then...
1: But you're going you're gonna to insult this guy, too, as he's leaving.
0: And then, as Kaylana says, Barristan walks out like a boss, but he pissed me off, dissing Jamie, calling him the King Slater Oathbreaker when he worked still with Robert. That did kind of piss me off a little bit, as well because he's so nice to Jamie's face and then he talks shit about him behind his back a little bit. I did, that was a little less than honorable, but a little bit more towards Book Barristan. Uh Kaylana says, Paisel, that sunken gray cunt. <laughs> Great way of describing uh, Paisel.
1: Paisel, I think, is, is, aside from Cersei,
0: is the biggest cunt in Game of Thrones.
1: He's the biggest cunt in Game of Thrones, correct. Because he's nothing but a douche. There's, like, Peter has some redeeming qualities in that he does help some of our heroes to his own gain. But, you know, even, uh, you know, Joffrey couldn't really be too much to blame. She was still uh, just a kid for Christ's sake.
0: No, fair enough.
1: Um, And, but. A child. Like Pycelle. Yeah, yeah. Pycelle is just, he's, he's a douche. He hasn't done anything to help anybody but himself or screw people over
0: absolutely so barristan everyone just can't stop laughing and uh Ar- barristan draws his sword and the whole place goes silent and every uh, Kingsguard king's guard pulls out their weapons like and including the hound and are all like they would
1: all die they would all die they're all he scared shitless he would probably take half of them with him
0: yep and even now i could cut through five of you like carving a cake He throws down his sword. He says, here, boy, melt it down and add it to the others and walks out again like a fucking boss. What do you think would have happened if Barristan wasn't dismissed, says Lady Squee? I think he would have just ended up having to do a lot of horrible things for Joffrey and knowing Barristan, he probably would have done them. Yep. And it would have been an unfortunate...
1: The best thing that could have happened to him was being discharged.
0: Yep, and again, just to mention him again... uh, there are some out there, not saying Preston Jacobs, who believe that this was all set up again by Varys. That Varys set this up and had Ilario waiting for Barristan after he left here, knowing because be, to protect Daenerys later on, that this was all. Yeah, a, no,
1: that's a good possibility. There's a possibility
0: that he suggested this to Joffrey, and that he's the one that instigated all of this, and this was all his way of getting Barristan to do what he really believes is protect, protect royal, royal, the real royalty. Right. So uh, then the, the guy, the announcer guy, whatever, if any man in this hall has any other matters to set before his grace, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. And, uh, and uh, Sansa steps up. She says, uh, looks at Joffrey and he's Joffrey says very calmly, very nicely, Come forward, my lady. <laughs> this the lady Sansa of House Stark gets introduced. Do you have some business for the king and the council, Sansa? I do, says Cersei. And she says, I do. As it please your grace, I ask for mercy of my father, Lord Edard Stark, who is hand of the king. And Cunty McCuncelot, uh, number two, <laughs> Pizel says, Treason is a noxious wait. I'm sorry. Treason is a noxious
1: weed. It should be torn out by the root.
0: As uh, as somebody as Joffrey says, let her speak. I want to hear what she has to say. She says, Thank you, my oh. grace. And uh, some I I think it's uh, Littlefinger or uh, Varys that says, do you deny your father's crimes? And she says, no, my lords. I know he must be punished. All I ask is mercy. I know my lord father must regret what he did. He was King Robert's friend. He loved him. You all know he loved him. He never wanted to be handed until the king asked him. They must have lied to him, Lord Renly or Lord Stannis or somebody. They must have lied. Joffrey says like a little bitch, he said he wasn't king. Why didn't he say that? He was badly hurt. Master Paisel was giving him milk of the poppy. He looks surprised. Uh He wasn't himself, which is true. Otherwise, he never would have said it. Not before he said that, but whatever. And uh, this is where, this is, again, one of my favorite moments of the episode, the look on Littlefinger's face as Varys says this. A child's face, such sweet innocence, but yet they say wisdom comes out from the mouth of babes. The look on Littlefinger's Mm -hmm. face because he's like, oh, my God, we're working for the same agenda. I think Littlefinger's realizing that him and Varys kind of want the same thing in this moment. So he's, like, finding joy in it. He's like, okay, I can get what I want. They want
1: the same thing, but for two very different reasons. And it's and it's only partially that they want the same thing. Like, eventually, Baelish wants it all. And Varys wants it all in the hands it's supposed to be in.
0: Now, a couple of questions here. Sansa wouldn't get... What do you think would have happened if Barristan wasn't dismissed? Kaylin says, Sansa wouldn't get bitch slapped by Trant. She'd get bitch slapped by somebody else. Yeah. And uh, Lady Squeezy asks as well, do you think the abuse to Sansa would have still happened with Trant? Uh yes. Yes, because yes, Joffrey would have forced it was from Joffrey. Uh, Lady Squee uh, uh, yes, Lady Squee and Kaylana's great minds thinking alike. Kaylana says, true Barristan did stand by yeah, true of what we were saying. Barristan did stand by the mad king, raping his sister. Kaylana said, uh, Sansa's just sad and pathetic victim, proper good girl heart. Sansa's the chief O'Brien of the show, always getting shit on. Lady C Se- <laughs> I was tell- I announced our uh, Deep Space Nine uh, shows as well. We have a lot of Deep Space Nine fans in the chat. Uh, Lady Squee says, Sansa just makes me sad. She wouldn't have been safe and out of King's Landing if she hadn't ratted on Ned's plans to send her and Arya back to Winterfell. Like, pissed and sad at the same time. Great point, Lady Squee. So, a child's faith, such sweet innocence. So, uh, Pizel continues, treason! Treason! Anything else? If you, and, uh, Treason is treason. And uh, anything else he says to her? And uh, she says, if you ever have any affection in your heart for me, please do me this kindness. And Joffrey thinks for a minute, a good minute, and he says, your sweet words have moved me, but your father has to confess. He, he has to confess and say, I'm the king, although there'll be no mercy for him. As we close out, and, and it's an interesting uh, pan out darkness shot, our episode is Motherfucking over, Joe. And that is episode eight of Game of Thrones written, our first episode written by George R. R. Martin. Now, in general, Joe, what did you think of this episode? Because I talked a lot about it.
1: I love it. Love it. I love it. It's like... A lo- like this was, this was an episode. A lot of good shit happens in this episode.
0: It's like murder uh, is, is row.
1: This is the point where everything kind of starts really taking form and, and, and coming to a head. Yep. We are like an inch from the peak of the mountain at this at this point. So there was just so much build up in this episode. And it doesn't leave you with this overwhelming sense of of like um you're missing something at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's uh there's cliffhangers that you know, or the episodes end sometimes of different T V shows and you feel like there should have been more or you don't really quite un- understand how it ends up where it's at but by the end of this episode everything that happens in this episode doesn't leave you with this longing feeling aside from the regular one of just wanting more game of thrones
0: i hear you i hear and i i feel like you're you're absolutely right it's it's uh this episode or the end starting with the end of episode 7 and leading into this whole episode is really the I was watching it the first time I ever watched this with my mouth open, like not believing what I was seeing. Like, is this really all happening? Is this really all happening right now? Uh, Mm -hmm. And and leading into next time that we talk about an episode led me even went further down that road. And we're only at the beginning, Joe, we're at towards the end of this season, but we're only at the beginning of this madness. And you're right. The roller coaster has been going up that hill, excuse me, up that hill. And I'm, I'm motioning like you can see me. And up that hill. And then we're right at the top. We're ready to go down. We're right about to do the, the, uh, the dive. And here right. we are. You, ju- you just feel so satisfied. And Lady Squeed, this episode is one of my favorite from the season and in general. You just feel so satisfied by it. Yes. Great way of putting it. That- I agree. And I guess this is a good enough place as any to stop. I'd like to thank all of you guys for checking it out in the chat and let's push let's let's, let's push play right here. Yeah, let's get this music going, kick. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wait. I forgot one thing, guys. I made a promise and I like to keep my promises. I promised one more drum solo before we leave tonight. So, one second, Joe. Let's see. Yeah. Pull pull your phone away cuz you might have to deal with some crap here, Joe. Here we go. Drum solo. Oh, wait, wait. Wait, there we
1: go. Before you do that, I'm actually gonna say goodbye to everybody and sorry I couldn't get on. And I will see you for our next one and peace, homies. From solo. Yep.
0: Joe, I will be I'm gonna be on tomorrow afternoon at one PM. So if you're around, let me know.
1: I'll be with you. Cool.
0: Here we go, guys. of this madness i'll do more drum Mm -hmm. solos later (laughs) everybody thank you so much for tuning in to this week's game of thrones recap we will be back with more of these later uh joe and i will talk and we'll figure out when we're gonna do episode 9 episode 10 but these will be more regular we'll try to do them at least every two weeks once we get into the season and figure out what our path is and uh what our weeks look like and uh because we want to do lots of fun stuff so These will be popping up from here and there, and we will try not to go for too long of a break without doing a new one of these, at least until we get to the end of season one, and then we'll deal with season two as well. So the next couple will be relatively soon. So everybody, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We will talk to you guys next time. I'll be on tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. to be talking about some of the new pilots this season and some shows I have to go off now and go watch a couple shows I haven't watched yet just to be ready for all the ones I want to talk about. So we'll be on tomorrow, guys. Talk to you soon. Later.